Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another edition of Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting for the WBCA NABC studios, thanks in part to D3Hoops.com. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're going to enjoy another uh, busy show here on Hoopsville. Uh, lots to talk about, to say the least. Uh, we are about at the midway point of the 2017-18 season. Lots to figure out, as it were. Uh, what is going on? <laughs> Who knows? Um, there's another week of head-scratching upsets and whatnot. So we will try and figure that all out while also talking to a number of guests as you hear me crack open a soda to help me get through the evening. Um, if you've got questions, as we said, uh, as we always say, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville where we are uh, simulcasting the show. And, of course, you can also join us uh, on the YouTube page. There's some people who chat with us in there on occasion. Um, I think I mentioned the email. There's Instagram at D3Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, find a way, get in touch with us, et cetera. We have some games going on tonight. One of them has us a little bit intrigued. Uh, not really sure what's going on, but Glenn Robinson appears to not not be at Washington College tonight for the Diplomats of Franklin and Marshall, the 22nd-ranked team, who actually just lost to Muhlenberg the other day. Uh, for some reason, he appears to not be at the game. Uh, we will kind of keep an eye on that. He is not on the bench, from what we can tell. Um, don't know why we reached out to the um, to Franklin and Marshall to determine if maybe there was something up that we should know about. We have not heard back. Um, it hasn't been that long since we reached out to him, so to be fair. Uh, but we will continue to figure out what might be happening there. Again, Franklin and Marshall lost to Muhlenberg, one of many top 25 or several top 25 losses again this week. It's getting to be kind of status quo, as it were. Um, the game was looked like it was well in hand for FNM until Muhlenberg made a run late. I did see Glenn getting upset about a call that he did not think they got or didn't get at all and thought they deserved to get late in the game. I was kind of on the official side of that. Um, anyway, they did lose, among others, but they're playing Washington College. This is a three-game week for many in the Centennial. Uh, Franklin Marshall will take on ninth-ranked Swarthmore coming up on Saturday ahead of the Centennial Day at the Palestra in Philadelphia on Sunday. Five games the Centennial will put on. Um, um, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I think six institutions will be taking part. I know Muhlenberg McDaniel is the finale. We've got Get Dickinson there, Gettysburg, Washington College, uh, and I'm forgetting one other. I apologize. I will get up to speed better later. But um, that's all on Saturday. Those two teams, though, Swarthmore and Franklin and Marshall in a top 25 battle, will not play each other. And I don't think um, uh, Franklin Marshall will be in the top 25 after this week anyway. They have already lost once, as we mentioned, in Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg's apparently beaten them six times when they're ranked at Muhlenberg, if you can believe it. But that's just more of the same. Um, let's get you an idea of who our guests will be tonight, and then we will dive into what has happened already this week. Uh, we will start things off with Matt Croce, the head coach of the 10th-ranked Wittenberg men's program. We'll talk to him about 
how the Tigers have stayed undefeated so far, the crazy NCAC race, and what to make of Wittenberg this season. I don't think a lot of people thought they'd be this good. Um, and again, it's it's kind of recovering from Bill Brown's tenure. Croce's finally got a kind of a hold of the, of the reins, as it were, himself. It, he's been there a few years. It's it's starting to become his program. We'll talk to him about all of that. Also, Jim Scheibel, the head coach of the seventh-ranked Rochester Yellow Jackets, will join us on the show. Jim, uh, uh, with a program that is you know, obviously top top ten ranked, he's on the national committee. On top of that, head of the East Regional committee. We'll talk to him about that. We'll talk about the committee's work. We'll talk about his team. We'll talk about what looks to be a crazy UAA women's race once again, and obviously getting into UAA schedule. They have Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve coming up in Rochester this weekend, so we'll talk to him. Uh, we'll take a break from the top 25 teams, or at least top 15 teams, or top 20, I think it is, uh, briefly to talk to Lori Cairns, the head coach of the Millican Women's Program in the WBCA Center Court. If you don't know um, uh, Lori, she is a two-time cancer survivor and very much involved in trying to support women, not only with dealing with cancer, but coaching ranks as well. Also talking about the team's reaction while dealing uh, with a coach with, who's battling cancer during a season. So we'll talk to Lori coming up in the WBCA uh, Center Court. Then Danny Young-Oric will join us, the 17th-ranked Juniata women's program. Here's a team that has kind of come back to where they used to be, conversationally at least, near the top of the, of the Landmark Conference, though they stay uh, relatively unbeaten. They have one loss, if memory serves. Uh, of course, I don't have that right directly in front of me, but they will come. Uh, they have a lot to talk about. Uh, no, they are undefeated at 14-0. Coming up, they've got uh, a pretty good schedule in the Landmark Conference, so the question is just how good is uh, Young Oryx's team? We'll talk to her about that and what she thinks of the team, the conference, and whether she's even paying attention to what's going on in the region. And then we'll finish things off with Pat McKenzie, the uh, men's basketball coach at St. John's. The 15th-ranked Johnnies seem to be emerging from the St. Thomas shadow, as it were. Uh, many teams are in the MIAC. We'll talk to him about his Johnnies. We'll talk about the MIAC race, kind of emerging, as we said, from the Tommy's uh, shadow that's still there, but it looks like maybe, just maybe, the decade-plus of dominance may be coming to an end this season. We'll talk to him about all of that coming up on the show. So that's... That's the nuts and the bolts of it, of who we have on the show, plus any other information that we may be following or talking about, et cetera, in Division Three basketball. And again, uh, we're talking about Glenn Robinson, who has, for some reason, um, not uh, made it to Washington College for some reason for their game. Who knows? Uh, let's talk about what's happened already this week. We already have top 25 losses, five of them on the men's side. Heading into tonight where there are games ongoing, there are two men's teams in action in the top 25. One of them, Franklin and Marshall right now, uh, last I checked, was trailing. We'll double-check. Uh, they're leading by one against Washington in 12:30 mark. And, of course, Washington, one of the more difficult places to play uh, basketball. And one team going on in the women's side, top 25. Muhlenberg is in action against Gettysburg. Right now they have a comfortable lead. We'll keep an eye on that one, plus everything else that's going on. Quick note, because of the Centennial Day at the Palestria on Sunday, where I will be calling a number of the games, along with Gordon Mann, Tim Murray, uh, Connor Flegel, who's from Washington College, um, and Jack McCallum, believe it or not, will be on the call for the final game as well. Um, we are moving Hoopsville to Monday afternoon. Right now, scheduled time will be 2 o'clock Eastern. That'll be live. That is Hoopsville on Monday afternoon. 
instead of the usual live Sunday show, and we decided not to wait until Monday evening. We just we'll just do it Monday afternoon. So that's coming up uh, instead of Sunday night, which is going to be too much to try and pull off. Now, while we're at the Palestra, we may uh, do a couple uh, Periscope and or Facebook live hits while we're there. Uh, a couple of minutes here and there, talk about the games, talk about the Palestra, talk about the experiment, experiment experience. Uh, so back to the top 25. Whitman had an outstanding game against Whitworth on Tuesday night. Watch that one on the big screen. And Whitman remains undefeated. Now, Whitworth gave him a little bit of a game in the first half and a little bit early in the second half, but Whitman eventually put their foot down and started shooting better. They kind of shot a little bit. They were a little bit cold in the first half. Whitworth didn't blow me away. They're third ranked. I feel maybe a little too high for their ranking. I have them finally, <laughs> as some would say, in my top 25. I included them, I think, around 22 or 23. I'm double-checking. I put them in at 21, actually. Um they didn't prove or disprove that to me. I think I'll keep them there for now with that loss. Uh, but they also didn't blow me away. Six straight wins now for Whitman over Whitworth, which is pretty surprising considering the history of, the, of that rivalry uh, and how much Whitworth has dominated. Uh, whether Whitman can win at Whitworth is to be decided. Whitworth was missing one of its better players and another one got into foul trouble. Don't think that would have been a deciding factor at, at Walla Walla. Whether it's a different at the Pirates' place, we'll see. But uh, congrats to Whitman at least getting past that test. Augustana lost to um, Wheaton, 86-81. Uh, a bit of a surprise by everybody. Listen, Wheaton having a decent season. But I think a lot of people thought Augustana would win that one. Uh, Augustana has Carroll coming up this week. And we mentioned Whitworth. They'll be able to get back uh, into things against George Fox. Whitman and George Fox playing, or Whitman and Whitworth playing George Fox on on Saturday, Sunday. Whitman first, then Whitworth. I'm sorry, that's Friday, Saturday. Williams, not in action yet. They've got two games in conference play coming up. Eau Claire, or Whitewater at least got past Eau Claire. They've got Stout coming up. Wash U uh, is at home against Brandeis and NYU. They have not played. River Falls had a really good battle against receiving votes. Category Platteville and came out the victor there. They remain at 11-2. They've got another top 25 team in Oshkosh coming up this weekend, so keep an eye on that one. York got past Penn State. Harrisburg got a big battle with Christopher Newport coming up on Saturday. I'm hoping I can get out to York from, from another game to see that. That said, apparently Marcus Carter for Christopher Newport is out for the season due to uh, knee surgery. They finally decided to do that, and apparently he will redshirt and come back next year. But Christopher Newport is is hemorrhaging at this point. Lost to Frostburg State, who is, you know, Probably playing a little bit more uh, inspired due to the fact that their head coach, Webb, is going to retire at the end of the season, but they're not that great in comparison to Christopher Newport. So I think the captains have a season that's kind of falling apart on them and is going to be a lost season. And it looks like York is the class of the CAC this year, but they'll have to face each other, and it is at York uh, coming up on Saturday. Swarthmore, I got to see them at McDaniel. Totally forgot I was going to see them on Tuesday. Uh, handled McDaniel relatively easily. Honestly, 80-49 is not uh, indicative of how close that game was. Um, Swarthmore got out to 20-something to two lead and then just kept pushing it on from there. Um, they will. They are taking on Hopkins uh, today, I think. Yes, Hopkins today. That was the other top 25 game in action on the men's side that we will keep an eye on. That game at Swarthmore. Um Swarthmore looked great, and maybe I've been underselling them and should have been voting for them for a lot longer. Um, I will f uh, put that under the category of I apologize. Uh, they looked really good. Now, again, against a, a subpar McDaniel squad, 
Uh, we'll, I, I'm more interested in this Hopkins game tonight and in the Franklin and Marshall game tomorrow or on Saturday to see what Swarthmore really is. But I liked how deep they were talent-wise. They can go 10-11 guys and really play well. They've got size. They've got guard play. Cam Wiley did not start the game. He didn't start the second half either, though he came in a few minutes into each half. I suspect that's an internal thing going on, nothing to make of note, um, but in, in maybe things that happen this time of year. Uh, but Swarthmore looked really good. They're ninth ranked. I'll certainly move them up. I am at 22 this week. I'll move them up. Um, but they're, they're a pretty solid team, and we'll see what happens when they get bigger tests. Uh, the rest of the way, pretty much no one lost so far. Wittenberg, MIT, Lycoming uh, got past, barely got past Albright, by the way. Lycoming had to come back from behind in that game to get past Albright. Albright nearly knocked them off. Um, Oshkosh, Wesleyan, well, Wesleyan hasn't played. St. John's got past Carrollton in a nail-biter. We'll talk about that one coming up with their head coach. Middlebury uh, beat Morrisville State in a game that I don't think anyone was paying attention to. Ohio Wesleyan at 17 lost again. They're now 10-4. and four. They lost to Hiram 88-79. Not really sure what's going on with the Battling Bishops, but this might be a case of when they live by the three, they die by the three. Now, they hit about 41% in that game. That's not too bad, but I'm not sure what's going on. I haven't had a chance to talk to their head coach, Mike DeWitt, to see what's going on with Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, I'm a little surprised. Hiram's not bad. Don't get me wrong. And I know the NCAC race is going to be difficult, but I'm a little surprised Ohio Wesleyan lost that one. Hamilton, again, has games coming up this weekend. Really good matchup against Wesleyan, who we mentioned already. Uh, that game coming up on Friday and is a must-watch if you get the chance. Uh, Marietta beat Mount Union relatively easily. I finally put Marietta. I don't even know. Did I put Marietta back in my top 20? I don't think I did. I'm not that sold on Marietta right now. Their wins have not been to teams that are outstanding, so I'm not voting for them. Emory uh, got, jumped into the top 25. Uh, they've got Carnegie Mellon and Case Western coming up this week. Wartburg, uh, after a loss, at least got past Luther 73-51 easily. They got a tough one in, in Simpson coming up. We mentioned Franklin and Marshall lost to Muhlenberg. They got Washington College tonight in Swarthmore. We mentioned that. John Carroll, no blemishes yet. Eastern Connecticut, no blemishes yet. Baldwin-Wallace took its third loss of the season to Ohio Northern 80-73. to That one's going to frustrate some people and wonder what's going on with Ohio Northern, who certainly seems to be putting together a good season. And that makes the OAC race somewhat insane. Uh, others receiving votes, New Jersey City got past Stockton. They got a big one with Ramapo coming up, and they just got a, a, a transfer from Rowan. Uh, one of their guard, one of the better guards from Rowan is transferring to New Jersey City and will be playing, I think, as soon as this Ramapo game. That is certainly an interesting factor that we'll keep an eye on. In the meantime, Ramapo, as we mentioned, has been struggling, and that's a big battle in the end, Jack, that could, make, that could decide a lot of things, including regional rankings uh, down the way. Uh, we mentioned Platteville losing. They got lacrosse coming up. Uh, St. Norbert uh, has not played this week. Juniata got past Goucher by 11. We'll have Drew coming up this week. These are receiving votes category. Skidmore lost again. They're now 8-3. and three. They lost to Vassar, which is kind of surprising. Looks like uh, their their top guy, Rupkus, took a lot of shots and scored 31 points in that of their 64 in the loss. Not sure what was going on there. Uh, but I'm a little surprised Skidmore is struggling. Rochester hasn't played. Illinois Wesleyan hasn't played. They've got North Park coming up. Christopher Newport, we mentioned, uh, got past Southern Virginia. I mentioned the, the loss to Frostburg State. That didn't happen this week. Um, I apologize. I was kind of a little gung-ho there. That, that happened earlier. Um, but still questions about Christopher Newport. Nichols and Ramapo have won so far as well. On the women, oh, also receiving votes. Worcester's done okay. Salem State's done okay. Albright lost to Whitecoming, as we mentioned. Augsburg lost to Bethel. That makes the MIAC race even more impressive. Nebraska Wesleyan lost again, this time to Loris in double overtime, and Lebanon Valley lost um, to Arcadia. 
On the women's side, it's actually been quiet. Nobody in the top 25 lost this so far this week. And those receiving categories, only one team, Ithaca, lost to RIT, 77-66. So there's your kind of wrap-up of what's going on this week in Division Three so far. Not as many blow-away notes, to be for sure, but certainly some, some interesting developments along the way. Augustana's loss is going to be one we're going to be talking about for a while. Um, seems as if you favor the Northeastern teams. I follow SCAC, and I recall a couple weeks ago you said you weren't excited about this conference. I don't favor Northeast teams. I don't know, Karen, why you would say that. Uh, there's more teams and more conferences up there, so it's there's more to talk about. But I certainly don't favor NESCAC teams or our New England teams. I do have four NESCAC teams in my top 25, but I also have four WIAC teams in my top 25. Uh, it, my number one team's Whitman from the West. My number two team's Augustana, though that will drop from the Central. Wash U from the Central is number three. Williams is number four from the Northeast. Five is River Falls from the Central. York, et cetera. So I don't favor the Northeast in any way. Uh, again, though, there's a ton of teams. What, 76 teams in the Northeast region alone? Uh, so I don't favor them. As for the SCAC, the SCAC has not been a conference that has blown a lot of people away in the last few years, and that's just the reality of things, at least on the men's side. We can certainly maybe talk on the women's side if that's the angle we're looking at. But if we look at the SCAC so far this season, Southwestern's leading the way at 2-0 in the conference, but they're 6-7. and University of Dallas is 8-5, and so is Centenary. Oh, this isn't the SCAC. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Uh, so is the Centenary. They're both 2-1. and Trinity, Texas is 7-6, and 1-1. Uh, Colorado College, who I thought was going to have a breakout season, they're six and eight overall, one and two in in conference play. There is nothing there, nothing in the SCAC that blows me away. Halfway through last year's season, we had all teams below five hundred, you know, or with overall records. The SCAC is competitive. It certainly has some decent teams and some good coaching on the men's side, but it doesn't blow anybody away. Um, I, who ends up falling coming out of this conference on top? I don't know yet. I don't think it's Southwestern. Maybe it's Dallas, uh, who's having kind of a resurgence. Uh, I still think Colorado College can play sport, not play spoiler, but be the one who who ends up with the with the the best record. But I'm not positive. Uh, we'll see. On the women's side, if we want to talk women, I had Austin on the show a few weeks back in December. Certainly like what they're doing so far. They're ten and four, three and zero in conference play, though they haven't played Trinity yet. Trinity is nine and two and three and two and zero in conference play, and those two are basically the class of the conference right now. Um, Shriner is two and zero in the conference, but they're four and nine, and nobody else is even close to a five hundred record except for Dallas at six and eight. So the SCAC is a SCAC. On the women's side, they at least have one, maybe two teams who are top twenty five potential or could do damage in the NCAA tournament. On the men's side, there's nothing there right now, and that's just the reality of it. Um, again, competitive conference. But when it comes down to brass tacks and it comes down to NCAA tournament play, they're not getting out. Well, if they get out of the first weekend, because most likely they'll have to play through each other. Um, granted, maybe one of them can travel somewhere. One of those Texas teams, they're not getting past that that Sweet 16 game necessarily. But there's time to say we still got half a season to play here. Lots to figure out. So let's not put the uh, cart in front of the horse just yet. But for right now, no, the SCAC doesn't blow me away. We'll talk to somebody out of the SCAC sometime in the near future. We try and hit every single conference uh, if possible. It's not always perfect, but we certainly try to throughout the season. We'll try and get somebody from the SCAC and talk about it. But right now, not something that, uh, that, that, that you know jumps out at me as being something uh, of, a, of a power. Again, 
don't favor the Northeast. Um, I'm actually, if anything, more critical of the Northeast. Uh, again, I got four teams from the NESCAC in my top 25, certainly. Uh, I have Nichols in there, so that's a fifth team from the Northeast. And I think there's there might be one or two others. But I'm also nervous about that Northeast, uh, about that NESCAC. Uh, Middlebury's my 25th team, and I almost punted them all together from third. Or, uh, yeah, third on my ballot. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Northeast, you know, there's, there's at least competitive basketball there, but there's also competitive basketball in the East, the Mid-Atlantic. The South, certainly, especially on the ODAC and USA side. You know, it's more, more on the ODAC side. Emory and Henry is certainly good. Um, the Great Lakes has got the NCAC and the OAC that are going to be powerful this year. And on the um, Central, we know about the CCIW and the WIAC. Those are good races. And in the West, the MIAC and Northwest Conference are pretty good. SkyX is going to be fun, interesting to watch, but SkyX is kind of like the SCAC. Uh, I don't expect a lot of people to come out of there as of right now. Gonna take a break. When we come back, Matt Croce will join us from Wittenberg to talk about his Tigers and how good they just may be. Undefeated uh, in and starting to get into the meat of the NCAC schedule, and that may be the determining factor here. We'll talk to Croce about just what he thinks of his team. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, have found time to join us here live. If not, you're watching the show on demand or listening to the podcast. If you want more information on how to do all that, you can always find us on our website, d3hoopsville.com, or via the links on d3hoops.com. So in the NCAC, uh, or in the Great Lakes uh, region, the, the one thing that certainly jumped out at me was just how fascinating the NCAC and the OAC battle appeared to be 
this season. And one of the teams, listen, they're always in the mix, but I didn't expect. They were 18-9 last season, certainly building back. 14-0 now is Wittenberg. The Tigers have absolutely exploded into the conversation. They've got a two-game lead on Worcester, Ohio Wesleyan, and Hiram in the conference race, which is why the conference race will be so good. Worcester has also kind of reemerged after stubbing their toe to begin the season. And Ohio Wesleyan has been making national headlines. But what about these Tigers? Bill Brown had retired. An alum and Matt Croce took over the program. And the question basically became, okay, what do we expect from all of this? Who do we think is going to, you know, when's he going to be able to do the, what he wants with the program? And when will he make it back to the national conversation? Because you know there's pressure for the Tigers to make it back to the national conversation. Well, apparently the answer is, this year. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotlines, the head coach of Wittenberg, Matt Croce. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. For those of you looking for the graphic, give me a moment. We will get it to you. I thought I had gotten this set up. We haven't. 14-0. Um, you've got to be thrilled with not only how well you've started this season, but maintained so far halfway through. And we'll talk about the challenges ahead. But did you really expect to start this well? Well, uh, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Complete honesty. Um, you know, the record is, is certainly uh, something that's uh, indicative of how our guys have approached, you know, kind of the daily routine and the daily process. We, we really, you know, we lose four senior starters off last year's team. We, we knew we were going to be young. We, we, we knew we were going to have a lot of, you know, kind of new faces and new places. You know, guys that played a little bit last year were now going to be kind of stepping into larger roles. We were going to need them to produce. So, you know, we, we weren't really sure how that would all come together. Um, I, I was not uncertain about our talent level, about our commitment, uh, about our chemistry and our culture and all those things. I, I thought those things were where they needed to be. It was just kind of, you know, how, how do all these new guys kind of fit together? Uh, how quick can that happen? So we're, we are a little surprised at the record. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm proud of the guys and we really don't talk at all about it. We just kind of do what we're supposed to do every day, go to back to work and practice, focus on the next game. I think that was a big, um, big thing for us having a young team is just to focus on the daily routine. And, and that's uh, proven to be a good, uh, a good way to, to get things going for us. Yeah, certainly a lot of things can come together at the right time, at the right place. The question is, can you keep the momentum up? And granted, you're now walking into the, the meat of this conference race, uh, one of the better conference races in the country. I'm asking everybody this. How do you keep the team focused at this point on the task at hand without allowing the 14-0 record, the 10th ranking in the country and all that, to get to, the, get to their heads or at least get them looking somewhere else? Well, for us, we just stick to what got us here. Um, and, and as I mentioned, just being a young team, we really needed to focus on the daily routines and the process of getting better, uh, fundamentals, all those things in practice. And we really have not talked about our record uh, at all. Um, the ranking is great. I think it's nice recognition for our, for our program. It's nice recognition for our alumni, you know, who, who uh, you know, have been part of this program and its success for, for decades. And for our current guys, you know, we have a lot of guys in the program that have never been part of a top 25 team and a ranking. So it, it is cool for them, um, and, and it's a nice recognition that we've gotten off to a good start. 
but we also know that that's all it is at this point. It is just a good start. I mean, uh, sitting where we're at right now, we're, we're halfway through what could be our schedule, right? If we were right. to make the conference finals, we're only halfway through. And so we really, you know, just like we talk to guys, you know, every, every Wednesday and Saturday, there's, there's two 20-minute halves. You've got to play them both the same way. The season is the same way. So we, we've put ourselves in a great spot. We, we sit on you know, the top of the league standings, and we feel good about that. Uh, we, we do feel like there's a lot of things we can improve on, and we really just want to play our best basketball at the end of the year. So we, we really just focus on uh, the daily routine and all that. Uh, we've acknowledged where we are to start because I think it's important to, to be real with the guys and, and acknowledge the success. But but our, our goals are to, you know, play in the NCAA tournament. We'd like to win our league. We'd like to win our league tournament. We'd like to play in the postseason. And so we've given ourselves a chance at that, but we're, we're nowhere near it yet. You, the interesting thing about the makeup, and you kind of talked about who you guys lost last year, what was coming back. You only have a handful <laughs> of seniors, and only one of them is – you know, at least on the stat sheet, one of significance. And it's Chad Roy. He's leading the team at 14.7 points a game and 6.6 rebounds a game. He certainly is an important factor on the squad. But the rest of this is underclassmen. A junior in, in, in Mitchell Blaze, uh, Balzer, Connor Spe- uh, Seeple, I apologize, a sophomore, James Johnson, the freshman, Jacob, uh, you've got an all-name te- name team, Coach, uh, <laughs> Bertamies, the sophomore, Jordan Pumroy, the sophomore, Landon Martin, freshman. I'm getting down to 4.3 points from Rashad Ali uh, Shakir, a sophomore, before I finally get to the other senior in Chris uh, Sloniker at 3.7 right. points a game. This is an underclass-driven ship on the stat sheet at the very least, and at least that means in the game. Yeah, it is. I mean, but it really for us all starts with Chad. Uh, he's been our, our just our rock, really. He's He's been our best player since the first day of practice. You know, when you're a head coach, you, you want your older guys to be great leaders. You want your older guys to be the harder workers. You want those guys to be dependable. And he has just been fantastic. He's gotten better every single year he's been at Whitburg. He's come back from summer vacation, you know, added muscle and weight and, and pieces to his game. And we, we knew for us to, to have a good uh, to potentially special year, Chad was going to need to have a really good year. And uh, he, he's just been a lot of fun to watch. I, I think Chad, he, he's a quiet kid. He's, he's an easygoing personality. So I think there were times the last couple of years where he was probably waiting for his turn a little too much. And so, you know, he's got it now, right? He's the senior. We, we've talked with our, his teammates about he, he's our guy. We're going to ride him. We're going to give him the ball. We're going to play through him. Our guys have accepted that. They've embraced it, and, and he has delivered. So it is really nice, you know, when you're a guard, when you're a young guy, to have a senior big guy that you can depend on that draws double teams, that draws attention, and, and, and the pressure of performing, you can just go play. And so it, it really all starts with him. And then you mentioned Chris Sloniker, our other senior, who's playing really behind Chad. Mm-hmm. Chris is just a tremendous leader, vocal player, played a lot his first couple of years, has dealt with some injuries, um, and so has just not seen the floor as much as he'd like and we'd like, but it's not stopped him from being a good leader. And so those two guys really set the stage for us. And I think it's been fun for me because they're they're also setting the tone for the next few years. Our young guys are seeing this is how you're supposed to act. 
how you're supposed to lead, how you're supposed to prepare, because Chad and Chris are doing it every day. It's certainly, you know, one of those cases of, of point where everybody can find their niche and doesn't necessarily mean you have to lead in a certain way. You don't have to lead on the, on the stack sheet. You can lead in right. the locker room. You don't have to lead in the locker room. You can lead in the stat sheet. You can lead on the floor. And it's about getting the younger classmen to get used to things. You mentioned, though, it's some of these guys have never been part of a top 25 program, which is what Wittenberg had traditionally been for many years. What is it like? I mean, as a head coach, this is your first chance as well. Uh, no, I know you're a little bit more used to it, having been a, a player and all. But what is it like to tell these guys this expectation is what you guys have as a norm in your mind? Well, quite honestly, with, with our, our younger two classes, it started in recruiting. You know, we, we sell our program. It's rich history. It's success. Um, you know, we're the all-time leading, uh, the winningest program in the country for Division III. Uh, we've, we've just had so many great teams, Final Four teams, couple national championships, uh, you know, uh, dozen or so All-Americans. And so we, we talk with these guys quite openly in recruiting that this is this is what you're getting into uh this program is not for everybody uh there are a certain level of expectations that come with playing at wittenberg um and we need guys that are ready to embrace those expectations rise to challenges compete their butts off every day in practice against other guys that are you know wanting the same things and so i i think our our younger two classes uh really were interested in getting our program back to where we feel like we belong. And um, it's been fun, again, to just kind of watch them come in and play with a chip on their shoulder. We, we have not been there in a handful of years, and, and uh, you know, it's not a secret to anybody. So I think our, our guys are ready to kind of play with a chip on our shoulder and get us back to where we want to be. That's certainly uh, evident so far in what has been a, a pretty nice run here, uh, mostly against <clears throat> Division Three teams. You started off with a, t a tight one against Mount St. Joseph. Uh, you barely got past Capital. Uh, Otterbein at least gave you a little bit of trouble, but then things seemed to get a little <clears throat> bit more comfortable, uh, and, the, and the games at least started to become a little bit more manageable. But then the big win against Marietta at the end of December, that was like the first game that you guys knew a target was going to be a bit on your back and a lot of people were going to be watching. How do you, how'd you prep for that one? Well, we, you know, our guys uh, know how good Marietta is, how how good they've been the, the last, you know, few years, and and um, not just rankings, but playing deep into the NCAA tournament. We were pretty excited uh, to to be part of that game. You know, it was uh, part of our holiday classic that we host every year, so we were able to play them at home in front of a really good uh, community crowd. And I mean, you know, it was it was tough with with a game the night before, so so preparation was a little bit short, but right. I think our guys really were just ready to go. You know, I mean, it's, you're playing a really good opponent. You're playing at home. Um, the, the, you know, the, the lights are a little brighter, and we, we rose to the occasion. Um, and so it, it's how do you prepare? I don't know, really. You just, you know, I, I think you, you talk about what Marietta does well, uh, what some of the things that we wanted to face, um, things that we thought we could do well. And, you know, at some point you got to roll the ball out and say, Let, let's just go compete <laughs> and see how good we are. Yeah, very good point. Uh, of course, the, the, the bulk or, or maybe the most important part of the season is now ahead. You haven't played Worcester yet. You haven't played Ohio Wesleyan yet. Um, you did get one game just uh, the other day against Hiram under your belt. 
Worcester and Ohio Wesleyan are your next two. And, of course, the rivalry with Worcester notwithstanding. That's got its own level of expectations before we even get sure. into the talk about the fact that the, you know, <laughs> you're both in the national conversation. But Worcester's ahead, Ohio Wesleyan's ahead. And then you'll wrap up the season with Hiram, Ohio Wesleyan, and Worcester. And before that, you'll even have Wabash, who could always be a test. Uh, not right. to mention DePaul in there, who's always a tough team, and the rest of the conference. This is an important run. I know it's a game by game scenario here, but how much do you kind of how much do you talk about the importance of these games and how much is this a conversation of um just executing what you do and, and hoping for the best? Well, we 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 certainly know what we have coming up uh Saturday and then, you know, what is hanging out there next Wednesday with, with Worcester and Ohio Wesleyan. Um and then we've got to turn around and play everybody again and, and I I think our league, the North Coast uh, Conference, has really grown the last probably five or six years. We've got high-quality coaching. We've got a lot of really good players. Uh, the, the, the conference is, is no longer kind of a one, two, three-team race. I mean, everybody has is, is got quality teams. So we'll focus on Worcester. It is a rivalry game for us. Um, we're excited to be in it. When we get to Ohio Wesley next week, we'll deal with them. And then, really, we're going to have to, you know, flip the page and, and play everybody again. And we, we really, as I mentioned at the beginning, we focus on kind of, you know, every Wednesday and Saturday dealing with the task at hand. I think that's what's worked for us being a young team. We, there are going to be a lot of games that, that happen outside of our control. We, we just have to take care of, you know, Wittenberg, Tigers, playing as good as we can play, getting better every game. And, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly find out a lot about ourselves in the next two games. And I'm, I'm anxious to see what we bring. And I know our guys are. And I know we're going to compete. I know we're going to play really hard. Um, I can't tell you whether they'll go our way or not, but I'm not worried about whether we'll be ready to play and whether we're going to compete or not. Quickly about you, a 94 grad of Wittenberg, uh, the one <laughs> only individual to ever win NCAC Men's Basketball Player of the Year and Coach of the Year. Um, well done to you, sir. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Not too bad, to say the least. You obviously are have taken over your program now. First time this team's in the top 25 since 2012. You're playing undefeated. It, this is a program you took over from Bill Brown. You've got to be pretty thrilled from a personal standpoint for, for what has happened in such a quick period of time. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm humbled uh, to be the coach at Wittenberg, uh, you know, making the decision, you know, when I was 18 years old, graduating from high school and going to Wittenberg in the fall of 1990, which, you know, seems like a long time ago, um, having the support of my, my folks to, to get me to Wittenberg and, and being part of this program. I just had so many tremendous experiences as a player, uh, met so many great people on campus. I met my wife there um, and got to know so many terrific of our, you know, of our men's basketball alumni folks. It's just a thrill to be in the seat, you know, and I, I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. Uh, I know what came before me. There's been some, some Hall of Fame coaches that have sat in the same seat. So for me, uh, it's a thrill to be here. I'm really happy that um, the, the season has gone well because I know our alumni are happy and I know what it means to the program. So on a personal level, the success is 
to me is a, is is a fun thing to go through on the inside now as a coach I did go through it and I was part of some really good teams and played in the final four my senior year uh, so I, I've been part of some really good teams as a player it's fun to be part of it as a coach now as well and and so you know I think that when I was fortunate enough to to move a chair over and take over for Coach Brown after he retired. I really focused on, you know, kind of getting our culture back to what I remember it being when I played, uh, what what Woodenburg Tiger basketball was all about, and um, that that was the big thing for me. And I think that you know it's been fun to watch it kind of develop. Well, congratulations, like I said, on a uh, heck of a season. By the way, love the beard look. I think that's pretty <laughs> outstanding. Even the Gordon. Guys will not- Guys won't let me cut it until we lose. So okay. That's, that's kind of the only reason why it's there. All right. Well, so. We all like it. Gordon liked it, too. I, I think it's a nice look, personally. <laughs> I can't pull that off myself, it. so it might be a little bit of jealousy. Um, right. But thanks for taking the time. Congratulations on, on what has already been a great story, no matter how it finishes. Uh, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to uh, leave with the to the listeners uh, who may be tuning in? Uh no, not really. I, I do want you to know, want to thank you again for having me on. I appreciate the interest in the program, um, and and really just uh, it's it's been a neat thing for our guys the last couple of weeks to to see some of the recognition of their hard work. And while I think we know there's a lot of, of challenges ahead of us, um, it, it's been fun. I think for them to just see some recognition for all the time that they've spent in. So. This is great. Um, we'll, we'll go back we'll, back to work tomorrow and try and get ready for uh, Worcester. Yeah, that's kind of a big game. Uh, even if even <laughs> if you all were over, it's kind of a big game. That uh, is true. Thanks for taking the time, Coach. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Okay, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Matt Croce joining us here on the Sa- City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, 14-0. Uh, they do have Worcester coming up on Saturday. That's a 6 p.m. game, if you're wondering, on the East Coast. And then on Thursday or Wednesday, they'll take on Ohio Wesleyan at home, 7.30. It's at Worcester on Saturday at home against Ohio Wesleyan, 7.30. We'll keep an eye on the Tigers. We're moving up in the top 25. Hey, scoring update, a couple of them. Remember I mentioned earlier, Muhlenberg was, uh, had an 11-point lead on Gettysburg in women's, in women's uh, basketball. It seemed like they were going to win. Uh, Gettysburg came back. And beat the Mules at their place, 67-62. So number 12, Muhlenberg. The first team on the women's side to take a loss in the top 25 uh, this week. Uh, On the men's side of things, uh, Franklin Marshall and Washington. Franklin and Marshall, or Washington College was kind of looking at maybe an upset, as they always do. Remember, we've had some upsets at Washington College, especially at Franklin Marshall. But apparently Federici hit a three a short time ago. And now it's going to be pretty much in hand. 79-70 as Federici hits uh, a free throw with 13 seconds left. Franklin Marshall sans Glenn Robinson, who is apparently not in Chestertown, Maryland for tonight's game. We don't know why. Uh, as Federici hits the second, make it 80-70. Uh, they will go on to win that one. In the meantime, we're keeping an eye on the other top 25 battle in the Centennial Conference. Uh, it is Hopkins and Swarthmore. It is at the half. Swarthmore leads Hopkins 36 26. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball. Uh, we will talk, who are we talking to coming up? Oh, yeah, Rochester, top 10 ranked Rochester. Jim Scheibels will join us on the show. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. If you've got questions for our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, lots of ways to chat with us. We hope you're enjoying the show in some capacity. I know there's some of you on Facebook. We appreciate that. We know there's a significant number of you on our main channel as well. Uh, again, appreciate the time uh, and hope you're enjoying the show. If you're watching this on demand or on the podcast, we appreciate that as well. Quick uh, note coming up. Uh, Sunday show will be moved to Monday due to our presence in Philadelphia at the at the Palestra for the Centennial uh, Showcase that day. So Hoops will be on Monday afternoon. Also of note, don't forget, Marathon coming up on February 1st, Thursday, February 1st. That's the Marathon. Lots to talk about. We also have the NCAA convention coming up. We're going to try and get a guest on in the near future, possibly Monday show, to talk about the schedule com conversation that is uh, taking place in Division Three and whether that may or may not pass. Uh, that's all coming up in the near future. Uh, switching to women's basketball, number seven, Rochester, having a tremendous season. Uh, gave Nor Thomas Moore their first regular season loss in five years uh, and have done, have done built onto that. Yes, they have a loss to Tufts. That isn't too bad. But it is a heck of a schedule that Rochester has put together, and they still have UAA play. What does this all mean? How good are they this season? What should we expect from it? Well, earlier today, Jim Scheibel joins a, joined me, and we talked about the Yellow Jackets this season. We even had a little bit of conversation about the National Committee. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Rochester Women's Program. It's Jim Scheibel, and Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. 11-1, um, and one, not too shabby a start. Obviously, a lot of high expectations, if memory serves. Preseason top 10 team on the D3Hoops.com uh, ballot. So uh, I think a lot of people thought you were going to build off of last year's 
seasons pretty well at 18 and 9 and, and a run in the NCAA tournament. However, what were the expectations for your program at when you entered the season? Well, you know, coming off of last year, last year we were 18 and 9. Um, we were starting two freshman guards, um, but we return everyone else. I mean, this year we have six seniors, they all play. So whenever you have, you know, six seniors of that quality who are in the rotation, there are high expectations, and you know we know we're going to look a lot different next year. But this year, coming off of that year, uh, which we were 18-9 last year, as I said, um, we did have high expectations. We wanted to be good. We had been to the Elite Eight the year before. Mm-hmm. We felt we had a lot of experienced players in the program and some really talented ones. So overall, you know, we set up a tough schedule. I mean, this year I've been kind of looking forward to with probably our toughest non-conference schedule mm-hmm. that we've had. And, you know, it's played out that way. I mean, we've played a really good Thomas Moore team, really good Ithaca team, really good Tufts team, really good Williams team, and you could go down the line, RIT as well, uh, as well as a bunch of other regional matchups that are very good. Um, so we wanted to challenge ourselves. We did, and so far it's been going pretty well, although Tufts got us pretty good at the Williams tournament. Yeah, your non-conference has stood out for, to me from the get-go. You played Capital in the very first game. And granted, you know, you beat him by 16, but Dixie Jeffers is always going to give you a, a, a tough battle. Yeah. You then hand Thomas Moore its first regular season loss in five years. Um, you did have us, uh, uh, not Oswego, but Tufts, you mentioned at the Williams tournament, followed by Williams, uh, St. John Fisher, Ithaca, as you mentioned, RIT, who who's certainly having a tremendous season. You did not shy away this year. Was it because you knew you had a special unit and you wanted to position them as best as possible? Pretty much. Um, you know, we felt that we'd have a lot of experienced players, and those experienced players, you know, they crave those big matchups. Uh, I mean, Thomas Moore right off the bat in our tournament, you know, we had to get by Capital first, and that was a heck of a game, actually. Uh, we didn't pull away till very late. Um, but Thomas Moore, I mean, it's just one of those programs that's been at the pinnacle for the last couple of years, uh, and probably more than that, probably 10 years, they've been very good. So that was a great game. We got lucky, I think, to get out of that one because they outplayed us for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, we just had a couple players just have, you know, probably one of the best quarters of their career right there. Um, So overall, you know, it was a great game right there. But then go on the road to play play Tufts at the Williams tournament, that was quite a challenge. I mean, we we know they can flat-out defend. Um, They did. I think they beat us by 12, but they kept us pretty much at arm's length the whole game. We just couldn't get it down to like four or five and make a serious mm-hmm. run at it. And then Williams the next day, they're always very good on their court. I was really proud of our team to come back and win that one. But, you know, we always have our regional um, yeah. our regional challenges. RIT has been very good the last couple of years, and they gave us everything they could. Uh, it was a great game. If they got the same, uh, we know those are 50-50 games going in, and we got fortunate to pull out, you know, two big Ws there. Yeah, I mean, it's not only did you kind of have this schedule, but you also have done well against it. And again, we mentioned the Thomas Moore uh, win. Tufts is the only one that that you got tripped up on. And granted, that looked great then. It still looks good now. Though it's odd that Tufts has lost a couple games this season. Was it? Uh, it's hard to say. I know in hindsight, maybe easy, but it's it's still hard. Where, did you hope to come out of it undefeated? Two losses, five hundred. What was? The hope, at least, to come out of that regular se- or that non-conference schedule before the the UAA schedule. What position did you want to find yourselves in? Well, you know, we look at it this way: um, we play a 25 game schedule, and we have 14 games in the UAA. To get into the NCAA's, say, as a pool C, if you don't win the league, um, we feel you need to go at least nine and two in your non-conference schedule. If you're 10 and one, 11 and 0, I mean, that really sets you up for maybe a special year. 
Uh, we got through 10-1. and one, So, I mean, overall, you know, I'm not disappointed in that at all. I mean, playing a Tufts, Ithaca, RIT, um, Thomas More, Capital, we know there's definitely a potential to lose one or more of those games. Right. So, 10-1, and one, you know, I'm pretty satisfied getting through at that level. But now the UAA hits and yeah. it's a whole new season and it's a grind. Uh, well done on the segue because that's where I was headed next. Started with Emory, uh, that game at their place. So at least you get the trip to Atlanta out of the way uh, and have the return trip to your place left for the for the regular season finale. Of course, that one goes double overtime, which kind of seems like the precursor of what we should expect in the conference race. Emory, we obviously know under a new head coach, uh, a former assistant, I and mean, it's not like they're under a completely new regime. But Christi, Christy Thomas Cuddy stepping away late in the in the uh, or early right before the season started. They're six and six, but they take you to double overtime. And we still have Chicago. You still have Carnegie Mellon to play. NYU we know is always tough. Wash U might be under a new head coach, but that could be a tough game. And we haven't even mentioned Brandeis and Case Western. This, like last year, feels like it's going to be a dogfight of a of a race in the UAA. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the way we always look at the UAA is no team lacks talent. I mean, everyone has talent. Um, they all work incredibly hard, all well-coached. Um, so you literally got to be playing your best basketball every game. I mean, we see over the years a lot of teams that might be, you know, seventh or eighth in the standings knock off a one or two. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we know going into the UAA that, you got to literally prepare as if you're playing a top 10 team every game just because conference dynamics just will will make sure that happens. I mean, yeah. no one no one's going to back down. They're going to fight you. And like Emory, I mean, you look at their record, they were 6 and 5 going in. But that team's really good. Yeah. Um, they've got a like a whole 362 kids who can all flat out play and they were just getting healthy um, going down there in that game Definitely 50-50. I mean, I felt very lucky to get out of there with a win. I mean, we had a really scratch and claw. But they are going to beat some teams uh, and some good teams. Sure. uh, We know that's coming. And, you know, just like every other UAA team, you're literally going to have an opportunity to win on any given night. Um, Of course, you have them coming back to what I call the other palestra. I only say that because on Sunday (laughs) we will be at the original palestra. Um, But you will have them to finish off the season. But coming up, you got Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon, both games at home. Uh, in Rochester, what do you expect from these two t- games, and what are you, how are you preparing the, the squad for these two ge- to these two matchups? Well, I'll tell you what, we've had a really good week of practice. We know, you know, anytime you have you know the two UAA games over the weekend, you've got to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been going at it hard against each other for four days now, and we expect great games. I mean, Case to date has had a couple of key injuries, but you never know if those players are going to be back. Um, and that's probably a reason for some of those losses. Mm-hmm. But Carnegie, we know there's a ton of talent there, and they play very hard. Um, they can really score in a lot of different ways. So it's it's literally, you know, I could tell you, you know, maybe we should win, maybe we should lose, but you know, that just provides, uh, you know, a little motivation on the other side. Yeah. We know that we know they're going to play, and we know we got to play at a high level to get out of there with two wins. Last year, one of the uh, one of the, maybe the negatives was that you guys finished um, with ju- uh, losing I was it, losing five of nine your final nine, including the second round dandy of a game against Geneseo. I know that's not how you guys wanted to finish, and it kind of put you in the boat that you were in to be playing at Geneseo. How important is it to not only get through this weekend and obviously the rest of the UAA schedule, but also kind of, for lack of a better description, pace yourselves so that the end of the season maybe finishes stronger than you guys had last year. Well, 
I mean, unfortunately, there's no pacing yourselves in this way. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, <laughs> as soon as you try and relax, okay, maybe we can get that one. No, you're going to lose. So there's no pacing. We're going at each game, you know, you know, as hard as we can go. Hopefully, you know, we have some gas in the tank at the end. I think we're the only, we are the only league in the country that doesn't have a, a postseason yep. tournament. So in all of college know. basketball. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that favors us. You know, you get a little if if you're good enough to potentially get a bid, then you can get a little bit of rest going into the tournament. But it also deprives you of maybe another opportunity to get that 20th win or that 21st win where it might register uh, with the committee a little bit better. Yeah. But you know, there's no pace in ourselves. We we know we got to get ready for case, and then we got a Carnegie, and then it's just bang, bang, bang. You know, you're just going through the league, hoping you can do as well as you can. You mentioned the the six seniors. Three of them are leading the way. Alexander Leslie, 16.5 points a game, almost eight rebounds a game, 2.5 assists a game, plus 20 blocks. That's not too bad. Uh, Lauren Deming, 14.5 points a game, nearly seven rebounds, also two assists a game as well. Uh, And then Lizzie Atkinson at 7.5 points a game. Uh, She's obviously that, that nice little guard from the outside who can hit some good key shots for you. Obviously, there's more players than just that, but it, you talk about the senior class here, and it, and it really is led by this senior class. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it starts right there for us with Al in the middle, uh, Lauren Deming at the four. So we feel we can provide, you know, an amazing tandem at the four and five spots. Um, but we've got other, you know, very talented players in the lineup who might not have the same stats. I mean, one player in my mind that is crucial for us is Bryn Lauer. I mean, she's our starting point guard. She runs the team. She's a great defender. She gets the ball where it needs to go. Uh, she may be averaging like four and a half, five points a game, but they're always big points that she gets us. And we, we lost her last year. She tore ACL two weeks before the season started, so we're happy to have her back as a fifth-year senior. I think that's helped. And now we had Brenna James, who's coming off the bench now for us at the point guard. She was our starter last year. So you've got really good point guard play, but we can go down the line. I mean, Jill Silvestri, Mary Cronenwetter as seniors may not be putting up huge stats, but they play very pivotal minutes for us. Um, and we, we're getting some help, you know, from some juniors, some freshmen, you know, some sophomores. So our, our core is our seniors, but we definitely have some other players mixed in there too. Yeah, certainly. But I also feel like this is the season you want to take advantage of. It's a popular question I ask because you've got six seniors, three of them leading the way statistically. It feels like this is a season you really want to get the most out of. You know, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't true. Definitely. Um, You know, as seniors, you know, they see that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, They want to go out with a bang. So they've been playing their butts off. Um, They've been having really good senior years to date. Uh, Hopefully we can keep it going. Um, But, yeah, we rely on our seniors to do a lot. And because of them, we have high expectations. But once again, you know, we got to show up and play. we got to earn our way into the tournament, hopefully, and then hopefully earn our way, you know, to do even more. Uh, before we let you go, you're on the national committee for the third year, but as you point out, second go around, but third year this time, um, which makes you the East Region chair. And quick, two quick questions. One of them, let's start with the East Region. You guys are certainly at the top of that conversation. Uh, you also have the Empire Eight and the Liberty League. You mentioned RIT and Ithaca, certainly in that conversation. The, the SUNYAC, where Geneseo continues to be in that conversation. How's the East region looking from an overall standpoint this year? You know, it's, there's some talent at the top there. I mean, there's some really good teams. Uh, I think there's a lot of mid-level teams that are dangerous on a given night. But, I mean, ourselves have put up a good record. Ithaca, RIT, 
Geneseo, as you said, um, and then there's there's more. Um, but I think those four have probably the best records at this point. Uh, and there could be others, um, you know, that might ju- might not be jumping to mind right now. But we know, I mean, the whole goal is if you can stay at the top of the region and finish one or two, you, and you get into the NCAA's, you might be able to host for a weekend. Mm-hmm. So in the back of our mind, that's a goal. But really, it's you know you can't look too far ahead, or else sure. you know you get can't see the forest for the trees there. Yeah, and of course, hosting games at the Palestra. If there's an advantage to try and take advantage of, that is it. Uh, it is certainly one of those more unique home courts that you would love to be at home for, and I can appreciate that from a national point of view. I know work is really starting to ramp up at this point. Regional rankings will come out in early February to get things going, but you guys are doing work prior to that. Obviously, nothing to really kind of focus on in that sense, but what are you hoping, what is the the committee hoping to accomplish this year? And from a national landscape of things, how do you see things kind of shaping up? Well, you know, just looking down the line, I mean, looking across the country right now, there's there's a lot of good teams. I mean, there's a lot of really gaudy records right now. Yeah, there is. you know, in the long run, what we're hoping to do is get the best 64 in the tournament and, you know, spread the wealth amongst the regions or amongst the brackets. So, you know, each bracket is very, you know, pretty evenly matched. But overall, our job is to try and do the best for Division Three women's basketball and get the right teams in, get them placed correctly, and hopefully have just an amazing tournament. I mean, we've we feel pretty good about it. I mean, Bobby Morgan is our chair. Yeah. I think she's she does a great job. She keeps us organized. She keeps us on task. Um, but we have Kelly Whitaker as our NCAA liaison mm-hmm. and Ethan as well. So we feel we have a very good committee, um, but we've just got to do our due diligence to make sure we, we do right by all these teams. Other question I just thought of that I'm curious about. On the women's side, we see a lot of coaches who have to step aside and not partake because their team is in the conversation. Obviously, if you get the automatic qualifier, you can, you know, you're you're part of the selection process. But then it comes bracketing, you're out of the conversation. Or if you are an at-large team, when your team gets to the table, you're out of the conversation. How hard is that for you as a committee member to be in a position where you can't help because, for fairness, they 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 want to make sure you're not involved. And as a result of that. How hard is it to make sure to designate somebody from the East Region to pick the right person that's going to do the, the best job possible to, to represent uh, the East Region in your stead? Well, I mean, structurally, I think it's set up in, a, in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have to step off if we're under consideration and they're talking about right. at-large teams. And as you said, also when the bracketing comes, we're off the call. We're, we don't participate in that at all. So, yes, we try to um, – what I try to do if – if Rochester is involved in the discussion, is find someone who's kind of been through this before. Yeah. Uh, Tara Ruck stood in for me last year, yeah. and Tara was on the national committee herself for quite a while. Quite a while. So you just want someone with experience that kind of knows, you know, what you can say and what you can't say. Yeah, sure. um, you, you're advocating for all of the East Region at that point, right? Uh, and you're not necessarily advocating. You're advocating to get the right teams in. Correct. Um, I, I mean, so but you do represent the East and thus can give a perspective of the East to help the conversation. True. But I always thought it was my job as a national community member not necessarily to advocate just for East teams, but mm-hmm. advocate for the, the right teams. Yeah. Um, so if it happens to be a Great Lakes team who I feel has a better overall resume than an East team, I'm going to fight for that Great Lakes team, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I want to make sure as an East representative that our information is known, but 
I, I try to be objective at that point, or and I try to get someone who might stand in for me to be objective. Uh, hopefully it works out that way, but I do think we have a very strong committee, um, a lot of experience there, a couple of new individuals on the that are on the table this year, but basically there's a lot of people who've been there, done it, and know what they're doing, so I feel pretty confident that we're going to try and do our best possible job. Well, I appreciate the insight. Wonderful to hear that from uh, from a committee member, just kind of what his mentality is or her mentality and, and how they are hoping to set things up should they have to remove the call. I appreciate that. Very nice to, to get that insight. I also appreciate the time you took to join us on the show. Um, I know you've got a busy schedule ahead, trying to get ready for two big UAA games just this weekend alone and obviously a lot more down the road, so I appreciate the time. As always, we give our coaches the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, you know, not much. I mean, we're getting into the, the heart of the season right now, and I do appreciate that D3 Hoops gives us a resource to check teams and check check schedules. I utilize it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just an amazing resource, and we appreciate the hard work that you guys do. So thanks for that. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the time, as I said. Uh, good luck, especially at the Palestra. Tell all our friends up there in uh, Rochester we said hi, and we'll talk to you soon. Will do. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Thank you. He is Jim Scheibel, head coach of Rochester. Of course, the team is 11-1. and one. Big games coming up against Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon. We should point out they're then on the road against Brandeis and NYU and finish out the month at home against WashU and Chicago, which, of course, starts that back-to-back weekend where they play the same opponents. They'll then hit the road against WashU and Chicago. And, and, of course, that was Coach Scheibel joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. I don't know why his picture wouldn't show up. There was a graphic. It was on our end. It just wouldn't show up in the production. Uh, hopefully the rest of them do, too. We have a, f- a couple other pre- pre-recorded interviews coming up. But thanks to him for taking the time. Rochester obviously having a tremendously good season. We'll see how it goes the rest of the way. Great insight also on what the committee is doing for work. He's in his third year of his second go-around. Um, maybe he's chair next year. We'll see. Uh, who knows? There's a lot between now and then uh, as well. All right, so coming up next, uh, it is Thursday night. It's the WBCA Center Court segment. We'll be talking to Lori Kearns, the head coach of Milliken. She's a two-time cancer survivor. She's coached while she's fighting cancer, and she's a huge supporter, as maybe you would think she would be, of women in coaching. But we'll talk more about why. That's all coming up in the WBCA Center Court. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops Hill after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Polly Thomason, head coach at the University of Texas at Dallas and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave with WBCA Center Court. Oh, well, thank you, Coach Tom, uh, Thomas. Or Thomas I, Thompson. I, you know what? Blow it right out of the gate. Gotta love it. We will have her on the show later. I'm going to apologize in person with her when we get her on the show in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Polly, for, uh, for that little vignette. Thanks to the WBCA. For their support, they've been sending us these videos. We'll try and run them a few more times, a few more, uh, more often during our shows as well, thanks to the coaches who put those together. It is time for the WBCA Center Court, and, of course, this is an opportunity for us to talk to coaches more about what they're doing off the court or what they're involved in, why they're involved in personal stuff to some degree. It's always a great segment for us because uh, it's, it's fascinating because for whatever reason, coaches are involved in more than just coaching, and it, and it may be something as simple as uh, – Reading programs like we had in the NABC or something along those lines. It We don't know what coaches want to do, and so we, we kind of follow them around to see, okay, what, what are you up to, coach, and, and how can we uh, have fun with you, or what, are they, what drives you, or what makes you want to do X, Y, and Z. So we figured working with the WBCA and others, we learn more about it, as it were. And, of course, one of those coaches is Adam Milliken. Lori Kearns is probably one of the coaches that you've heard a lot about, but you don't realize you've been hearing about her. Uh, she's got a fascinating story, not only as a pretty darn good coach at Milliken and in the CCIW, to say the least, uh, but she's also a two-time cancer survivor, and I don't say that lightly. That is something uh, of pretty – a lot of significance, I guess is the best way to say it. She is joining us via Skype, and that deserves some credit all itself. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How about that, Dave? All by myself, I'm Skyping. I'm so proud. I know, I know. Now, we should point out your assistant probably helped you in some way, but I'm still impressed. Thank you. She's already gone home for the night to be with her family, so I'm here by myself, and I'm still doing it. That's so outstanding. No, I love it. I, I absolutely love it, and thank you for taking the time. Of course. Um, first and foremost, uh, you're one of those coaches who's been around for a long time, 30-plus years, coaching your alma mater, which it seems to be inadvertently the theme tonight. We're talking to a lot of coaches, except for Jim Scheibel, who's yep. coaching their alma maters. What does it mean to you to be not only coaching your alma mater, but being there 32 years, which means they keep entrusting you with the program through thick and thin, good and bad? Well, thanks. It, it means a whole lot. You know, I, I was hired at 21 to coach a team that I had played on the previous four years. And and uh, my coach, Harriet Cornell, who started the program and coached for 16 years, um, felt like I was ready and felt like she would be able to help me uh, have folks around me that would make that possible. And so 32 year, years later, here I sit before you, a very proud Millican alum and also a very proud coach of the women who wear the blue. 
Uh, I guess no one's regretted the decision, so that's always good, Coach. Uh, And obviously you've had a lot of success with Milliken, but also in a very difficult conference, to say the least. At this point in time, how do you measure success or um, good-bad, I guess is the best way to say it? Sure. Well, you know, we've never we've never really measured success by wins or championships here. We we recruit graduates and we recruit student athletes who are committed to a great education. And somehow along the way, Dave, by creating that culture of academic success and commitment to the institution, the winning just sort of became a happy byproduct. So trying to do things the right way, trying to recruit great women and and celebrate their graduation has led to me hanging around some pretty awesome teams. That's for sure. But uh, keeping them happy, keeping them healthy, keeping them satisfied and having a great student athlete experience, I think has probably been the key to all of our success at Millican, not just in women's basketball, but in many, many sports. Yeah, certainly. And of course, you're in a tough conference, but you're also in a very well-regarded conference, both athletically and academically. You're practically the dean of uh, the CCIW, uh, I would want to assume, though there's a lot of coaches who've been there for a long time. Uh, I am sure you are well loved, but what is probably what's the the most recent thing that you heard from a coach that that kind of put you on your back foot, as it were? Well, it's funny because I my first year coaching was the first year we had the conference. So I I am the dean. You know, we've had a women's conference for 32 years and I've been here for all of it. So, you know, I think um, I think the great respect that our conference has not only for the game, but for our conference teams and you know, I think maybe highly regarded uh, is an understatement. I think we're the best conference in the country and certainly in the best region in the country. And I know many might argue that, but having lived through it for quite a while now, um, I feel very confident in saying it's a challenge every game, every night, every every opportunity you have to practice or play. And, um, and yet, having said that, I think we're our greatest uh, fans and cheerleaders within the conference and within this central region. The CCIW is a is a great place to grow and learn and develop um, champions. And certainly our commissioner, Chris Martin, and, and all of the athletic directors and coaches do that. I know you said that it's not about the wins. And it's certainly about the experience, and it's about recruiting graduates. And, and I more than respect that, certainly. Uh, as, as I said to somebody last night, I guess I would be considered a D3 purist in that realm, and I appreciate that. But you won a national championship in 05. Yes. And since then, though, the program hasn't been as great. Let's just be put it that way. You sure. struggled of late. You guys are, what, 5-10 and 10 this year. Yep. Is that hard to deal with that they, there was once that greatness and you haven't been able to achieve that on the court? You know, it's hard for me to deal with, you know, from a personal level, because I, I know how awesome it is to experience that. Mm-hmm. I know how fun it is to win championships and and how proud families and campus is when when that happens. Um, but the way in which we treat student athletes and the expectation we have for them as as young women as and as students doesn't change. And, you know, we're, we're close to getting some of those wins. I think our record is a bit deceiving. And I think the quality of opponent we're playing certainly speaks volumes. But, you know, I got to say, I don't like to lose. It's frustrating. Um, but we just had a great practice and we're still on uh, semester break. And so we had a team meal right before I came on. And it was probably the best part of my day, you know, getting to spend time with those 22 student athletes and, and our coaching staff. So I love it. I love what I do. I love uh, representing Milliken and 
And, um, you know, do I want to win more? Absolutely. Dave, yeah. no, no doubt about it. Was that national championship fun? It was absolutely. But I can't tell you the other years we won conference championships, but I can tell you 32 years of, of great memories and watching students walk across the stage in, in May. Nothing beats that, I'll admit. All right, so we mentioned in the preview and the tease, two-time cancer survivor. In and, in and of itself is remarkable, and you're a coach. But give us a little bit of a sense here. Uh, you, you'd seen at least one of your diagnoses. I think you got diagnosed right in the middle of the season or right actually, before the season started. Yeah, so actually to, both of to them. To deal yeah. with it. To deal with cancer to begin with is tough. And we had Matt Dempsey on at the last WBCA Center Court who's dealing with cancer as we speak, or at least it's it's improving, and he chose to keep coaching. What was the driving force behind it? And tell us a little bit of the history of, of these two battles, if you don't mind. Sure, I don't mind at all. So the first one, which was 20 years ago in, in 1997, um, you know, it was, I was 34 years old. It was very early, uh, right before we were, two weeks before we were getting ready to start practice. I just hadn't been feeling very well, went to the doctor. And again, after some some pretty difficult discussions with the doctor. Um, I quickly figured out I had to have surgery immediately and, and uh, start chemo and start radiation. And, and we were getting ready to start practice very shortly after that to open the season. So the real amazing thing to me is I chose to be vulnerable and I chose to share that with my team, including, you know, the chemo was the kind that I lost my hair and, you know, had mouth sores and all of those ugly things about chemo. But I think they knew that that was the thing that was going to keep me well. And that was the thing that they, you know, could rally around. And interestingly enough, uh, the team went undefeated that season. We were 25 and 0 in the regular season and uh, won the conference and went on, you know, to the NCAA tournament. And I say often, I think, I think a purpose for young teams, I think a purpose for these young women is really important and it can't always just be about basketball. So, um, you know, I had a great staff, uh, part-time staff at that point, and, and everybody just worked really hard to make it possible for me to go through the surgery and the chemo and the radiation and, and do it here locally in, in Decatur, which has great health care, and, um, you know, just still come to practice every day, and I never missed a game, and that was really important to me. But I think it, basketball and my Millican family is the thing that really got me through that difficult diagnosis. So that took all of that year, all of that season, and really a calendar year for me to come through that. And then I was pretty healthy for a while. And then 10 years later, um, you know, I had a recurrence. And so I had to go through those battles again. And, and again, it happened to just happened to be right before the season started. And so another team got to go through that journey with me. And those relationships, Dave, are really important. And those young women, I think, watched me struggle, watched me not feel well, watched me still come to work every day and be thrilled to be a part of their team and their program. And so um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think I would encourage uh, universities who are supporting um, faculty and coaches and students who are battling cancer to ask how they can help, to ask what they can do. Do they want to pray? Do they want to have meals? Do they want to, you know, take a break? What what can they do to be helpful? And um, because we we want to share, most of us want to share that battle. We want to share and be a part of a bigger team, if you will. Yeah, you talk about it. It takes a team to do a lot of yes. You can't do this on your own. Um, yeah. and, and you talk about the support. I find it interesting, though, is how much has your your putting in front of the team, for lack of a better description, and, and making it part of life? Hey, we're not hiding this. I, I've got cancer. Here's yeah. what I'm going through. How sure. much do you think that has helped your, your teams in the past to somewhat, A, deal with life 
and B, maybe on a personal level themselves or someone they know, deal with the fact that this is cancer. Sure. Well, I think it's important. I think sometimes we as coaches feel like we have to be superwoman or superman and and never show any vulnerability or never share anything that's happening um, outside of the the three hours we see them, you know, at practice every day. And and I felt like as as a relatively healthy young woman, they needed to understand that it could happen to any of us and that they needed to get up and, and get off the bench and get into the game of loving their family and taking care of themselves and asking those questions of their physicians when they don't feel well. I think sometimes we, especially of athletes, say, oh, you're fine. Let's just go. And what I tried to do very much is say, here's what I felt. Here's what I thought. Here's you know what I asked. And that's what led to an early diagnosis. And I think probably saved my life. So I think being a part of a team, getting involved, getting in the game and being able to communicate with others is really part of what life is all about, what basketball is all about. And as I've said, often athletics is really a microcosm for preparing these student athletes for the rest of their life. Talking to the head coach of Milliken, it is Lori Kern. She's in our WBCA center court, two-time cancer survivor and coach. I'm, in, I'm impressed just listening to you talk, let alone if you were my coach. Um, willing me down the court or something. You know, and it's amazing how you just you're willing to put it out there. And I think it's a benefit to say the least. What what I, I hate to ask a little bit of a loaded question. Are you are you involved with other efforts when it comes to the the cancer conversation? The WBCA is so involved with things, but that doesn't mean you have to be. But I'm curious if you've decided you are or if this is your own personal thing and you guys just do it personally. Oh, no, definitely. I think as coaches, you know, we live in a fishbowl and and I like to use athletics and in a higher ed community here on campus um, as a teaching tool and as a platform. And so we are very involved and very engaged in wellness like behaviors, but also in awareness and in support of folks battling cancer. So many of our programs have a cancer game. Some call them a pink game. Some call them, you know, different colors for whatever cancer they're they're highlighting that that year. Um, and I, I try and be involved in those. Certainly, I'm very involved in my community, uh, both at the hospital level, but also at the cancer care level. And I do a little bit of work for the Department of Defense and reviewing some breast cancer research grants. And, you know, I, I try, like I said, to, to walk the walk of getting off the bench and, and giving back to the medical world, but also the people and, and the faith community that helped me get through it. Uh, the other thing you're proud of is trying to support women, especially new moms in the coaching ranks. And of course, in the notes you gave me, you bragged on uh, your two assistants who who played for your national championship team, who both have had kids. I think you're bragging on them because you just you just love having the kids around. I think this is for an sure. unfair advantage. Yeah, uh, for sure. what, what do you mean by trying to support women, especially new moms in the business? Well, I think it's very important that we support women who coach women or women who coach uh, college and high school athletes. I think it's really, really important in our society and in culture, Dave, that we see that women can be successful at being a part of a family or being in, in a partnership, but also having a professional career. And I don't want coaching to be one of those barriers that says, well, you can't be a great coach or you can't have your campus support if you're going home to a family or if you've just gotten married or if you're a new mom. So I have the great blessing, truly, of my two assistants, Joanna Connor, who, as you mentioned, was the MVP of the 2005 National Championship uh, Tournament uh, Final Four. Uh, she just had her first child uh, back in late July, and uh, baby Isabella comes to work every day. And with the blessing of our athletic director and our human resources office, um, you know, we get the pleasure of we have a babysitter here. You know, a student watches her, but 
we get the pleasure of seeing her every day, which allows Joe and her family to continue the passion that she has for coaching. And I just think campuses have to find a way to make that possible, have to find a way to help men and women who are new parents continue to impact the lives of the student athletes. And my other assistant, Andrea Dorsey, uh, she's a part-time assistant, but she's my recruiting coordinator. And she has two small children at home under the age of three. And the university, Millican University, made it possible for her with some technology support and cell phone support, et cetera. She can work from home, still support and love her two children, but get all of that recruitment effort done for us for bringing students and student athletes to Millican. So it's possible. I think we need to find ways to make it happen, not find ways to not allow it to happen. And it takes some flex flexibility, especially for us old coaches who are used to being the first in the office and the last to leave. But <laughs> I'm telling you it's possible. And I'm telling you our student athletes are better because they see women in particular, but women and men who are new parents having great success in their careers and also being wonderfully loving family members. That's uh, a great example to lead by, to say the least. Um, all right. So the fun part of the WBCA center court is I get to ask questions of the same questions to every single person. We get to hear different answers. These are sure. not supposed to be complicated. Doesn't okay. mean I didn't overthink them, but they're not supposed to be complicated. You're supposed to answer these off the top of your head. Got it. So if you don't mind, let's have some fun. All right, let's do it. I'm ready. All right. You may have already answered this, but we're going to ask it anyway. Favorite okay. thing about coaching, especially in Division Three, The student-athletes, no question. I had a feeling. Uh, your biggest pet peeve? Um, fans and opposing coaches or people on my staff, too, including me, yelling at officials. I love you. Uh, favorite rule or nuance to the game? Um, I really like the ability to advance the ball in the last minute, and I think it's really changed the strategy for how you're going to get a bucket in under a minute. I respect you, Coach, but we're going to agree to disagree on that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> what rule would you like to see added, removed, or changed? Um, I, I think I'd like to have a little more attention paid to the displacement rule. I think, you know, we're, we're almost like in football, taking too much away from the defense and protecting the offense a little bit. I'm a defensive minded coach and I like to be able to bump a cutter every once in a while or take a charge anywhere I want. So I'd like to see the, the reins loosened up just a little bit on the defense. I can understand that. Uh, any pregame ritual or superstition? I uh, have to have coffee before every game. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I talk with our staff before every game and talk how we're talk about how we're going to represent our families in Milliken and try and make people proud of the way in which we behave and lead. That's that's a good one. Um, what's the cr craziest travel experience you possibly could have had in 31 years, 32? Yeah, for sure. No question. Uh, the first time we made the national tournament, uh, our men's team also made it. We were playing at Augustana up in Rock Island. The women's team was. The men's team were playing up at UW-Whitewater. We both were coming home after a third place game on a Saturday night in the first round of the NCAAs. And uh, our buses crashed into each other during an ice storm in Bloomington, Illinois. What? We had to, uh, coming from different parts of, of the country, we had to climb onto the same bus and, and limp home. And quite frankly, that was before cell service. So I didn't have any way to notify families or university administration that we'd even been in an accident. That would be the chances. The, I know. The, I know. <laughs> and the fact you also were playing in a third place game in the opening weekend. We won't even go into that. Exactly. Yep. Wow. That one we're coming back to someday. Okay. Um, how would your assistants describe you as a head coach? 
Um, I think they would describe me as fiery, as hard driving, as loving and understanding. Oh, that's nice. Uh, what do you tell recruits that gets them excited or even gets them to commit to Milliken? That you're going to have the opportunity to play in the strongest conference in the country. You're going to be surrounded by faculty and administration and coaches that love you and that we're going to put your family and your academics before basketball. Um, and you've got to be willing to serve with a, with an open heart, both the campus community and also the greater world. That's a nice one. Uh, and finally, when you retire, and sadly, Coach, we all know coaches retire. Yes, sir. Uh, at some point, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Um, I hope they remember me as someone who cared very much for Milliken, someone who cared very much for the game, someone who proudly stood on the shoulders of all of those women who came before us, and including my own Coach Cornell, um, and someone who was proudly serving her alma mater when you know she was 21 years old and continued to do that recruiting graduates and creating big blue alums. I like how you said 21, just to make yourself feel younger coach. That's, that's, I am. I'm getting younger instead of older. Yes, sir. Dave. <laughs> to follow up on that for you, I, when, when people spotted that I had you as a guest tonight, both yep. internally at our staff and externally in others, the same thing was said to me. Oh, she's a great person and a great coach. She's a great person. She's a great coach. What does it mean to you that people who aren't even talking to you, they're talking to me, are yeah. addressing you as a great person and a great coach? Well, thank you for the compliments. That makes me feel good. Um, I think the great person means a whole lot more to me than the great coach. Um, you know, we're only going to coach or we're only going to teach or we're only going to be administrators for a short period of our lives. Uh, and really the influence that we have really comes from the core of who you are. And so my folks raised me well, and I think Milliken raised me well, and I, I do hope I can continue to be a person that supports others. And great person is something to continue to aspire toward, for sure. Absolutely. I agree with you, and uh, you certainly live up to it, to say the least. I love this segment. Thank you so much for taking the time. And your enthusiasm, by the way. Your email right back to me was outstanding. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just, again, want to say I think it's important that we say thank you to student athletes and, and parents who might be listening. You know, thank those high school coaches and those college coaches who love your daughter so much or your son so much. Um, to coaches, remember, that's not always about winning and losing. It's about the experience that you give those student athletes. And to the NCAA and to D3 Hoops and to the WBCA and NABC, thank you. Thank you for your support and allowing us to have this stage to make a difference, not only in the lives of our student athletes, but I think in the lives of, of others who watch basketball. Well said, Coach. That is a terrific uh, way to end it. Thank you for taking the time. I know the season isn't the best. Uh, it could be right now. It could improve. We look forward to seeing how it plays out. And uh, good luck the rest of the way and good luck the rest of your career. I know we'll talk to you down the road. I hope so. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a great evening. Absolutely. Thank you. Lori Kearns joining us from Milliken. Appreciate her taking the time. Team is 5-10, and 10, but could be improving in a tough CCIW. You don't count out the big blue. When we come back, we'll keep things going. Juniata coming up. They're undefeated. Say what? Some said we should have seen this coming. I don't know if I necessarily agree. But we get to talk to the head coach about that. She's coming up. We talk to Juniata Women's Basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoops will after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had bats. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Cheer for the stumbles, the he should have had bats, and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, Jam-packed show. We're running a little bit behind, so we're going to keep things going. We're going to stick with women's basketball. One of the other teams that has jumped out at us, and another team being uh, coached by an alum, is uh, Juniata. Women are off to an undefeated start at 14-0. Certainly something of note. Uh, somebody on Twitter earlier said, we should have seen this coming. I'm not sure why. Them more competitive? Absolutely. 14-0, solid win over Scranton. That's pretty good. Another solid win over Catholic in overtime. That's pretty good. Can this team keep it going? Who knows? But it's changed the landscape of the conference just a little bit, and it was already a, a complicated and challenging race at the top of the Landmark Conference to begin with. It's gotten more complicated with Juniata. I got a chance to talk to their head coach, and she joined me earlier today. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Juniata, Danny young Ulrich. Thanks, Coach, for taking the time. You are welcome, Dave. Uh, listen, well, for lack of a better description, kind of said it earlier, this is a what-the kind of season for a lot of us who've been watching the Landmark Conference or from a national point of view. 10-15 and 15 last year, certainly competitive, but I don't think anyone saw 14-0 and 0, uh, necessarily, and especially to be on top of the conference with already key wins in conference play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this definitely was... Uh unexpected this early. Um, I, I thought that we could be good at some point this year. It just, we have a lot of factors in with young kids that we're going to, we were hoping make an impact. Um, and, you know, returners redefining their, their roles on the team. So I thought we could be decent, but I did not expect this out of the gates. You started with a win against Dickinson, maybe not surprising at the early part for a lot of us because Dickinson was going through a coaching change, a win over Randolph-Macon, who's certainly a, a solid program in the ODAC. 
you know, some people were like, okay, yeah, not too bad. But it was the win over Scranton, I think, that turned everybody's heads. You beat them by mm-hmm. eight. It was funny because at the time I'm thinking, geez, Scranton might be in trouble. Of course, they've proven that wrong as they're tearing along yeah. now at 13-1, and one, that long, mm-hmm. long loss being to you guys. And then you get the win in overtime just recently against Catholic kind of to reaffirm that win against Scranton. You, you guys have really kind of shown, no, this isn't a fluke. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I think we keep telling ourselves, you know, because, again, this was not part of our expectation. We wanted to be competitive. We wanted to win way more games than we did last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, we always play well against Scranton, even in our bad years. I don't know if for some reason our girls get really hyped up to play Scranton. And, um, and you know, yeah, Catholic did validate it for me in a way, you know, um, that we were here to compete. Um, and, again, we, I use that with, with some caution because, it doesn't stop at just Catholic and Scranton within our conference. You know, we have Moravian yet to go. We have Drew this weekend. <laughs> we can't forget about Drew. Yeah. They just beat Moravian. Um, and we have a lot of tough teams in our conference. So I try not to get too far ahead. We just sort of put our heads down and um, and play one game, one practice at a time. Well, and that's the thing. Scranton, as we mentioned, 13-1, and 2-1 and one in conference. Catholics 11-3, mm-hmm. and 2-1. We all knew those two would be in the conversation. Drew might be a little bit of a surprise, but we knew they were going to be good at 10-4 and 4 now, 2-1. Moravians eleven and three, but one and two in conference play. Now mm-hmm. E Town's a little off there at seven and six, but there's still a team you can't look past. And you're right, you still have all of them ahead of you. Uh, oh, e Town yeah. twice. You've got to still play Catholic and Scranton again, obviously. And now that mm-hmm. now you've got a target on your back, you got to play Moravian yep. twice. And as you mentioned, you got the Drew game coming up on Saturday, and you'll finish the season with Drew. So the real challenge feels like it's coming now. Yep, for sure. I mean we. It's you know I, I can't even say which game is going to be the tougher one. You know sure. right now Drew is going to be the toughest game because this is our you know our four game road trip that we have, uh, four games back to back and uh, it's you know we've been traveling a lot. It's over break. You know there's a lot of challenges um, facing Drew and you know they're coming off a huge win against Moravian. So um, we have a little bit of history with Drew. You know it's been very. Um, very competitive mm-hmm. with with our two programs. So um, Saturday is going to be very interesting. Of course, you're also in sure. the stretch here of four games on the road. You played a non-conference yep. against Lancaster Bible coming back from the new year uh, after a weekend tournament, or after a tournament, we should point out, at home. But then mm-hmm. you had Lancaster Bible, then you were on the road down in D.C. At, at Catholic, then on the road. I love how they call this a close game for you in midweek against Coucher. It's right. not an easy <laughs> trip. I've made it. Uh, and now you'll be on the road to Northern Jersey to play Drew before you can finally settle in a little bit at home. Mm-hmm. The, the the last half of the schedule is a little bit more home-friendly, which is a benefit if you're Juniata. But how do you keep everybody focused, not only because of the, the road grind, as it were, right now and busting out of your neck of the woods and getting to, getting to mm-hmm. teams in bad weather, but also because, you know, inherently now there's pressure. Now there's a target. Now there's, hey, we're no longer under the radar Everyone's talking about it. You know, how do you how do you manage and and get everybody to remain focused? You know, like with the with the travel. Sometimes I think we travel well. Um, so you know, like in the last, we're over, we're on break, we're on semester break right now. So there's nobody here. So I do feel like this is the best time to make these trips because I mean, we 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 do get a good crowd at our home games, but you know, we're missing a huge student section. So I'm glad to get the trips out of the way while we're on break. So that that's definitely good. Um, yeah, you talked about Goucher. Goucher took us like 3.45 yesterday with traffic. We had traffic twice. Wow. We got there late. I mean, it was a very uncomfortable game to begin with, and so there was all those factors. But, 
you know, to, to maintain focus and, you know, to try to – this whole target on our back thing is, is a new concept for our program. Right. Um, I mean, we've had it before. My, my assistant and I, we've, we've lived through some years where we, we were that team. Yes. But to these girls, in the, it's new. It's right. new because we haven't won in the last three, four years. So this is, this is new territory for them. Um, we address it. We talk about it. But we don't belabor the point because sure. I, I don't want to freak them out. So – well, yeah, I mean, the last significant season that you had in, in above 500 was 2012 and 13 when you were 19 and 9 and 9 and 5 mm-hmm. in conference play. The next year you were above 500, but it was 14 and 12. Then it was 8 and 17 seasons back to back, followed yep. by 10 and 15 last year. So, I mean, literally, you win this weekend and you got as many wins as you had losses last season. That's a significant turnaround. And you're right, this program hasn't seen, nobody on this team has seen nope. this kind of season. I mean, the one thing that that you know, my my coach, assistant coach, and I were talking about is, you know, like this is they wanted to win. This is this comes with the territory, you know, this this you know this expectation now. So, um, again, we haven't really talked that much about it because we're sort of riding this out right now. But it's going to come to a point where we have to. So, a little odd question: How much is this about the senior class, and, and how much is it about the underclassmen? You've got, I believe, four seniors on the team. Three of them are in your top four in scoring. Danny Atkinson at leading the way at 16 points. Rachel and Anstein. Thank you. Anstein, who's yep. third at eight points. And uh, Veronica Cosmo, uh, Cosmopolis uh, at seven points, who's fourth. How much is it about them and what they've been able to bring to the program? Or, as I sometimes hear, how much is it about underclassmen who are pushing them? I think it's you got it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think we had a senior class that was super hungry for some success. They've invested a lot mm-hmm. into the last four years, and they're just ready to to win. And it also was timed up perfectly with a pretty solid freshman class that came in and was able to push them and to challenge them, you know, in a healthy way. Uh, it, pro- it provides their team with so much balance, and it's really fun to see that because we were hoping that this recruiting class would help us maintain for next year mm-hmm. so and it's, it's hopefully working out that way of course sophomore in the middle of that mix morgan instone uh, mm-hmm. forward for you at 12.1 points a game leading the way at 7.3 rebounds a game as well and then it's two freshmen after that top four we mentioned mm-hmm. in gracie stauffer and carmela bickle so it feels like you've got a nice mix there yes mm-hmm. there's a little bit of impetus for this year because you've got a great senior core there but you definitely have underclassmen who are going to be able to maybe maintain as it were Yep, and that's what we're hoping. You know, sometimes because Morgan didn't play that much last year because she was injured, and sometimes I feel like she's a freshman for us because this is the first year she's actually contributed significantly yeah. or uh, consistently, let alone significantly. Let's talk about the conference a little bit more. It's kind of been synonymous that the landmark's going to be top-heavy uh, with a lot of teams that can be in the conversation on a national level, but sometimes because of that we don't know how good or maybe not good, and I don't mean that in negative, but just not as good as we think it is. But you have Catholic, and you have Scranton, who've been you know carrying the flag, as it were, for a number of years. We've had Moravian in the mix. E-Town has been come and go in the last couple of seasons, but certainly challenging as well. You're now making what was a three, maybe four-team race, a four, maybe five-team race now, mm-hmm. with only four slots in the playoffs for the conference available. The dynamic in this conference has changed. If it wasn't complicated enough, it's even more complicated. No. I mean, I think that we the landmark definitely takes pride in how good both sides, uh, men's and women's basketball, is. I, I, I think that we can even go as far as I think every, seven teams within our conference right now can be in a playoff race, and it will come down to the last game for 
a lot of the playoff spots to be determined. So that's why, you know, like we, we sort of put our head down and, and it's one game at a time. I try not to focus too much on that. I want to get back to playoffs for sure. Um, but again, we just, we need to win games to get there. <laughs> so. Yeah, you make a fair point. Susquehanna is six and seven yeah. on the season, one and two. They're in seventh place, tied technically, actually, in, mm-hmm. uh, for tied, tied technically for fifth with Moravian and Etown. So you're right. This is this could be a seven horse race. What is it about? It feels like every team's a little different. Does that is that a fair representation? I mean, Scranton is not like Catholic. Catholic's not like mm-hmm. Moravian. Moravian's not like Etown, et cetera. I don't see a lot of commonalities with these teams. Not at all, and that's that's one thing that makes every game prep so so interesting, you know. And it's it's good though, you know, because I think that if it was the same, the girls would get bored, you know. Sure. So I, I the the change is is a challenge, um, and I think we have a good team that's able to make some some tweaks as we approach each game. You know, we try not to change too much about our game, but we do talk about you know the little emphasis, and I think that they're that's where the veterans sort of come in and are able to retain what we're saying while maintaining their 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 own play. What is it about this team that's working this year? What's the what's the nuances that seem to be clicking so well to get wins over a Scranton and get a win over Catholic and get a win over these other non-conference opponents that's made this season so far so special? And we have balance for sure. You know, like we have Dan's our leading scorer at the guard position. She's she's pretty much going to make us competitive stepping on the floor. She's having a good day. We're we're in great shape. Um, so she. She, I mean, she's the one that, you know, come down the stretch, we'd probably want the ball in her hands. But at the same time, you know, we have depth in the post. We have, you know, Morgan that finishes well, um, and she's she's always a surprise. She has an orthodox shot, but it seems to go in. <laughs> it goes in a lot. Uh, and, you know, she rebounds well. And, and then we have 6-4 Gracie, a freshman, you know. So we have a lot of options and a lot of options in different areas. Um, we have, you know, our, our freshman Carmela that's stepping up to be a very good offensive threat for us. Um, she is very, she's a very good shooter. She just needs to shoot the ball a little more. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, so we just we have a lot of balance and a lot of different options. You know, we have a point guard in Veronica that can drive and attack and dish. You know, like so we have almost all layers that covered when it comes to a balanced offensive attack. So it, that's pretty fun. You know, we have just options now. Sure. Um... You're, we should point out, an alum of Juniata. You played for this mm-hmm. program. You certainly, apparently, you didn't get out of the mountains. Is it what is what I'm guessing I happened? Uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, at the same time, it feels like a little bit uh, of a theme here of, of student athletes who've gone on to to have pretty good success, especially at their alma mater's coaching. What is it about Juniata that that you fell in love with as a student athlete and has had you now there for 15 years as head coach? Um, you know, I I can't imagine my somebody you know asked me just recently. I can't believe you're still here, and I'm like, why not? You know, like I loved I love being here. I love Juniata. It has provided me with such great opportunities as a student, student athlete. Um, and then when I was asked to come back and coach, I mean, it was one of those things where I don't think I was ready for it at the time, but I could never say no. Mm. Um, it's an easy sell, you know, like it, from my experiences here, it's it's an easy sell to to get kids to come here. Um, and I, I honestly try to think of myself at any other school. I don't think I could do it as well as I do it here, you know, again, with the, with the whole um, attracting attention here. So. It's certainly a beautiful campus, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure that's an easy selling point if everyone can forget the tough road uh, yeah. off the interstate. But that said, it is a beautiful <laughs> place to get away. Uh, it's a hidden I, gem out here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, out of curiosity, I know you don't not necessarily focused on the rest of the region, 
But does a season like this change the perspective a little bit instead of being so internal that you start looking out a little bit, maybe, you know, like popping your neck up to look around to see what the landscape looks like? Uh, not really. You know, and even before when we had expectations of being this, this type of team, I, I never really take a look beyond what where we're at right now. I mean, I, I, we didn't look at Drew film until after our Galter game was over last night. You know, like that's just how we sort of play for the next game. And um, I really don't really pay attention to what's going on. I might pay, I might see a score, you know, but that's really all I, I see. I don't really pay attention to that stuff right do, now. Do you schedule the mentality of how can I position the team for the conference race? Or do you try and sketch, or do you consider scheduling for what might be able to be possible come March? Um. We have, a, I mean, we have some some non-conference opponents that we do regularly. Yes, you know, I, and it is really, it's a hard. You talk about the trip out here. Nobody wants to make the trip here. <laughs> it's really hard to get teams to want to play us to to reciprocate the trip. Sure. Um, so a lot of times it's really about availability. Like who wants to to make this trip? Because we've been burnt, you know, with teams we will play, but then they never want to come back here because of the. <laughs> You know, three-hour trip midweek, like you said, yeah. is nothing. That was a Gaucher trip, you know. Yeah. So for us, it, we're used to it, but for other teams coming in. So I'm not too specific about – I mean, I want a, a strong schedule. Because, sure. yes, I want to make sure that if we're in the position to be in the postseason, I want us to be prepared. I do take pride in that strength of schedule number. When you talk about what do I look at, I definitely check out the strength of schedule on, on D3 hoops because I want to be a, I want to be high. And we usually, naturally, with our conference, we usually are out there. Yeah. Um, but scheduling is – can be challenging at times. Sure, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. We'll leave you with this. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Drew ahead. Uh, after that, you're home against Susquehanna Moravian, mm-hmm. um, closing out the month in um, Elizabethtown Catholic Susquehanna. What's the message to the team uh, in practice or in the locker room going into this Drew game and beyond? Well, I mean, we're we're going to focus on the Drew game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we. We didn't play as well as we wanted to against Goucher uh, last night. I think everybody's aware of that. You know, we, we beat them very handedly, but we were very sloppy and imperfect with some of the, the things that we'd like to execute. Um, so I think coming off a, such a disappointing performance, I think we're ready to, to get back at it and, and compete at a, at a high level. Um, you know, Drew's going to be ready. They're going to be ready for us. They always are. Um, we haven't won a Drew in too many years, I think. So uh, we just need to be prepared for them because they, they're playing some pretty good basketball right now. And it's just, you know, just focus in on what we're, what we're going to be able to do against them and, and go from there. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Fascinating season for the Eagles. I uh, certainly have been on our radar for a while. I'm glad we finally found a spot to talk to you. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, as hey, always, thank you so much. Absolutely. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? I don't know. I just, you know, it's, it's, it has been fun so far. I, I really don't want to sit there and, and gloat about our success, but I think for the kids, I think they should be pretty proud of, of where they're at right now, and hopefully we can keep it going. Perfect. Thanks, Coach. Take care of yourself, awesome. and we'll hey. talk to you soon. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. Danny young Oric joining us from Juniata, uh, nationally ranked 14-0, 3-0 in conference, big game coming up on the road at Drew. Thanks, Danny, uh, Coach Danny Oric for joining Young Oric for joining us on the show. Appreciate her taking the time. Juniata is a fascinating team, and now the landmarks an even more fascinating race. Uh, I look forward to seeing what happens. This is not over. We're halfway through the season. Clearly, Scranton's going to have them marked. I don't know what Catholic's going to think of that loss. 
Uh, and they've still got a lot of other tough games ahead. So we'll see how it all plays out. When we come back, we'll switch back to men's basketball, and we'll head out to the Minnesota area, and we'll talk to St. John's, who's the 15th-ranked team in the country. They're having a good season, but the question remains with them as well. Can they finally overcome or come out from underneath the, the um, shadow that is St. Thomas? We'll see. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're on Instagram as well. But that's where we usually promote the show. But you can follow us there at D3Hoopsville. Of course, we're uh, simulcasting the show on Facebook if you want to join us there. We're also on YouTube. You can comment there if necessary. We try and move our way around to find all the comments possible. So the Mayak race for the last few years has been pretty much status quo. St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas, and St. Thomas. Tommies have been pretty darn good for over a decade winning the Mayak. Now, in the last couple of years, the conference has certainly gotten deeper. St. John's has gotten interesting. Bethel has certainly entered the equation. We've talked about Carrollton on a couple of occasions. We've talked about Augsburg on a few occasions. This year, everything has changed. Even, I think, last year it looked like St. Thomas was going to step back. They didn't. St. John's, though is in the is now at the head of the conference at this point in the season. There's still Bethel. There's still Augsburg. And there's others in the conversation this year that has made this a very different Mayak race. St. Thomas is still around. They haven't left the conference. And until they're officially beaten, they're still the king of the conference. But I talked to the head coach of St. John's today earlier to find out what he thought of the race and what he thinks about his alma mater's success this season. 
and we spent a little time talking about it. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotlines, the head coach of St. John's, the alum, Pat McKenzie. Coach, thanks for taking the time for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely, no problem. Uh, season's going along pretty well, as we kind of indicated. 15th ranked in the country as of the last top 25. Uh, you're sitting at 11-1. and one. Got a win over Carrollton uh, just recently. Big game coming up against Augsburg. you got to be pretty thrilled with where you guys sit at this point in the season. Yeah, it's it's uh you know I we're 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 playing well. I'm I'm reminded our I say it all the time. Our longtime soccer coach here used to say uh, you know you feel like the guy jumping off the Empire State Building halfway down. So far so good. And uh, <laughs> that's that to be honest, that's what it feels like. It, it's so early in our conference, um, but but you know we're we're in a good place for now. We have to just continue to to play well. Obviously, I love how you guys call seven games into the conference slate early. Uh, most would call that uh, almost done, or one would call it almost done. Most would call it about early. You guys are, you know, yeah, you've got a lot more games. You play a lot more games in conference. They obviously all mean something. So, you know, getting wins, especially with a target on your back over the Moorheads and the St. Mary's and the Carrolltons have got to mean something. But you know this game coming up against Augsburg. It's got a lot on the line. Yeah, it does. I mean, you hit it on the head. They're all they're all worth one, and and we play a true round robin, so it's uh, it, you know it makes for an interesting race. And in Augsburg's playing really well. Um, they they have such a good group. Um, you know, they're led by you know I, I think probably the best player in our conference, and Colin Colin Olmscheid. He, he's just mm-hmm. a handful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and they they're playing they're really playing well. They got beat bat, beat last night, but um, you know they, they, Bethel's really good. So. Um, the the league is is tough this year, and, and Augsburg certainly presents uh, their own unique set of challenges, and, and there are plenty of them with those guys. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about uh, this conference. A little bit is is you know this has been the St. Thomas show for a decade plus. Uh, even last year, when everyone thought they were a little off, uh, they went on to win the conference championship. You know, so everyone talks about St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas, and then everybody else. But you guys have emerged from the picture. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus is seven and two as we speak. We have Augsburg in the conversation. Bethel, Saint Olaf of late has certainly entered that conversation a little bit. Uh, Saint Thomas seems to have come back to the fray, as it were. But the rest of you seem to be willing to take on the task, and including yourselves. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. Saint Thomas has, has uh, you know, the the run, and, and mind you, the, the run is still going. I mean, they're sure. uh, they've got a good team, and and they're, the run they're on. Uh, is is remarkable. I mean, they've they've been so good, and and I think, in many regards, their success has raised the level of our conference. I mean, I, I think our league has gotten a lot better, and, and certainly some of that is attributed to how good St. Thomas has been. Um, so you know, it just they've they've sort of raised the bar for us. But I also think at times the rest of us do get lost. I, I think it's a really good league, and. Um, you know the fact that they've—I think you mentioned it earlier—just have overshadowed at times, and, and hopefully, you know, the rest of us are, are going to get our time, and, and you know, we're, we're all gunning for it. I can tell you that. Well, and Hamlin's even proven that they're they're pretty tough this season, despite the fact they're seven and seven, three and six. But if you include Hamlin, eight teams with overall records of 500 or better, uh, including Hamlin, unfortunately, has a below 500 record in conference. But seven of you have right now an above 500 record in conference. This isn't going to be easy as much as you might be the higher-ranked team in the country. This this race is going to come down to the end, but how much are you guys all worried about beating each other up too much? Yeah, I mean, there there is a measure of that, the way our, our conference schedule is set up. Um, you know, we're getting into the point of the year now where, where we've got four games in a week. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get a high ankle sprain, 
and a kid could miss six games. Mm-hmm. And 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 that changes the dynamic of the conference. You know, on on, on one play can can drastically change what happens. Um, so th- this is this is really the teeth of our our season, um, and and it is. You're, it's just it's kind of constant because you're you're playing so many games. So there's not a lot of time for prep, not a lot of time for recovery, and um, things tend to shake themselves out here uh, as you get down the stretch into January. You bring up something interesting. I remember a few years ago there was a conference that used to play two games a weekend, and the complaints I heard from some of the coaches was, oh, it's not fair academically because the students are getting back late Sunday or, or, or late Saturday. They don't have time to study. And then also, what if my guy gets injured on the first game? He's not available for the second. That changes everything um, around for the conference race to some degree. And, of course, I, I kind of laughed at the notion. There's a lot of conferences who play – the back-to-back weekends, or in your case, play a ton of games in a, in a tight, confined area that this can affect things. But more importantly, I talked to St. Benedict earlier in the season, and of course the big thing on the women's side is they play what I call the ODAC model, for lack of a better description, where they don't play everybody twice. They play a certain amount twice, a certain amount single. You guys on the men's side, though, still play this double-round robin. Is, is this an, an antiquated idea for a conference of your size, and does it need to be changed? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you, you should join our coaches' meeting. I think that gets brought up every every spring. It's discussed. Um, I don't know that there's a, the what the best solution is. I know, um, you know, you know probably better than anybody in the country how, how that can affect your your you know opponent's winning percentage mm-hmm. and, and with a conference so big and taking up so many of your games. In essence, we we just pound on each other and it's going to be five hundred. Right. Um, so there there's merit to it, and and I don't know the right answer, but. Um, you know, all I know is this is what we're doing now, and, and you got to try to to do the best you can with with what uh, the schedule presents. Without dwelling on the subject, what are the what are the proponents for keeping it as it is right now, and why has that remained the course? And not without trying to give anybody away or, or give anything that shouldn't be out there, but what what are the arguments to saying this is how we got to keep things for now, and why haven't they they been overturned as of yet? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I certainly can't speak for everybody. I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, selfishly, personally, uh, one of the negatives to change in is just how do you how do you handle a non-conference schedule from a budget standpoint? Um, if if all of a sudden, you know, for us, we're a little bit of an outlier. You got a lot of schools in the Twin Cities. There's two schools in Northfield. Um, are we going to be able to attract a team to come in, uh, play a game in the cities, drive an hour and 15 minutes north to then play us? Or would they just prefer to stay in the cities, play two games there, and get out of town? Um, I think there's some of that. Just the location of our schools could, can make it uh, tricky with a budget. But, um, you know, I think we're all, from a coaching standpoint, we all, you know, you want access to the tournament. And uh, I think having the big league, by all accounts, um, at times can really uh, limit that. Certainly an interesting topic. I'm not going to solve it here on the show, but I appreciate the... If you uh, can solve it, though, I think there's a lot of us that would take that right I, now. Hey, I, that. Personally, go to the ODAC model and find a way to get a couple extra non-conference games work on your schedule is the easy yeah. answer. But that's I know that's the easy answer from an outsider's point of view who doesn't know all the inside politics. So, um, Of course, ahead you do have Augsburg. Uh, after that, you've got the fun and dandy McAllister, who's now playing more of a system style. So that's going to kind of throw a monkey into the wrench as you then follow with the St. Thomas. So Mac, you know, McAllister kind of uh, of uh, what do they call it? Uh, sand in the side the sandwich of two really important games. How do you kind of focus on the stretch ahead? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, you touched on it a little bit earlier. The the I think the nice thing about the conference layout is, is they're all going to be worth one. Um, 
you know, so so you don't get an extra point or half a point if if you win on the road. You don't get a half a point for for beating a ranked team. None of that matters. You know, so it it, it the, the ultimate coach talk. But we're <laughs> we just try to stay focused on the task at hand. You know, we know that the best thing we can do is win the game that we're playing, yeah. and then let's move on to the next one and and try to do it again. Four guys in double figures here, uh, led by Tyler Weiss at, at seventeen point three. David Stokeman, who certainly has a lot of people uh, watching at 12.3 points a game. Uh, you've got, uh, is it Juby Alad? Uh, uh, yeah, Alad, yep. Now he's only played in 10 games and started five, but 11.5 points a game. And Patrick Strom at 10 points a game. And don't want to forget Lucas Walford, 8.5. You've got a lot of guys contributing here. Uh, granted, Alade has, has been banged up or, or at least missed some games, but you're also scoring nearly 83 points a game. This feels like a very... Um, uh, subtle offensive, uh, offensively-minded squad. Defensively, yes, good. We'll get to that. But offensively, you certainly seem to have the pieces. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I, I think one of the strengths of the group is, is we we do have some guys that can score uh, and, and can score in different ways. That we've got some kids that can shoot it. We got kids that can score on the block, and, and we've got some kids that can get to the rim. And and um, you know that that funnels into um, the other piece of it is that they're it's a pretty unselfish group they're they're willing to share the ball they're willing to go to the right matchup find the hot hand and uh you know at times that's fed off of each other uh through the year and and has been a strength at at this up to this point you stokeman certainly had my attention Uh, i like what i've seen from him but clearly from the box score he's not the whole story tell us a little bit about a little bit more if i can speak about weiss and, and strom and the rest of these guys and how they all play off of each other yeah, I mean Tyler is a uh, he's a really good um, back to basket post player. He, he's really skilled, great hands, uh, pretty wide body, and, and does a really nice job on the post and and can open some things up for other guys. Um, you can probably tell looking at at a box score. I mean Patrick Strom can he can shoot it. He's one of those kids that he's just got a great uh, a great stroke. If his feet are set, um, you know he can be a threat. Um, you mentioned Juby. He's one of those kids. He can kind of get to the rim, and and um, you know, then Stockman obviously uh, does a little bit of everything. And so um, it, it's a good. It, it is a, a pretty good mix. And, and um, they're kids that that have a knack for scoring the ball and and do a great job sharing it. At least uh, again, up until now. Statistically interesting. You have about eight players you really go to. That's if Alade's playing. And I and I say if because it's been. Hit or miss all season. We haven't seen him since January third. And but if you don't have him, then it's seven deep. The rest of the guys only get a handful of minutes, um, and only haven't even seen double digit in games. It doesn't feel like you go deep on the bench unless you you've got a game in hand. Is are you worried about attrition to some degree though with that plan? You know, um, not 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 so much. I mean, I, it's 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 an interesting group. I think we've got guys. You know. Uh, on the bench that aren't necessarily getting in every game, but but that are, you know, really valuable situationally and and present you know something that we need at 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 any given time, um, and so it's 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 kind of a combination of of just trying to figure out okay um, so and so maybe Zach Hansen's a kid that comes in and can give us you know uh, more post play or a kid like John Oliver can give us. Uh, minutes defensively and and so it's more of a mix and match based on you know what does the game dictate um and and that's sort of how we've been trying to go with it this year up until now and 
again, it's, it's, it's been working pretty well. Hopefully that, that continues. How much is this about now, and how much is this about what you've been building towards the future? Because you really, you've got a handful of seniors on the team, but the only two that stand out statistically uh, are uh, Strom and, um, and Weiss. You've still got guys like Stokeman and the rest who are going to come back for yet another year. I know you're playing for now. I'm not saying you're not, but how much has this program kind of still still kind of got momentum building towards even more down the road than just this season? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, time, time will tell. Sure. Um, you obviously, I think every every coach in the country is trying to to build something sustainable, um, and, and you want to continually make sure that you're not in that situation of just a total rebuild. Um, and so, you, you know, I, I do, I, I, I really like our team. We got five seniors that are, are, are lights out. They're gym rats. They, they set the tone for everything we're doing. Um, they're having a great season. It's such a fun group to be around. And, and you hope then that the guys behind them, there's enough talent there, enough depth there. And then they, they sort of, you know, take the torch and, and carry it on. And I don't think that's anything revolutionary. It's just, a you know, I think we're all trying to do that. Of course, the oddity of things is you've played seven conference games while everybody else has played eight or nine. Um, so you've got this weird kind of two-game or one-game lead in the conference standings. But as a result, as you've indicated, you've got a heck of a schedule ahead of you, including you know three, four games a week. How do you – you still got two against Augsburg with one coming up on Saturday. you still got two against St. Thomas. you still got to face Bethel. You're going to still have to face St. Olaf and others. What's the message? You got a lot to play, is what I'm saying. There's a lot of basketball left. How do you keep the guys focused at this point in the season, especially as school's starting to ramp back up again? How do you keep them focused on the task at hand and not get distracted enough that all of a sudden you drop that game, two games, dare I say three, and now things are, are kind of in, in shaky ground? Yeah, I, you know, uh, that's a great question. If there's a surefire answer, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> notes. I can tell you that. I, I'm, I'm all ears. Um, I, I think. I hope. Um, again, we, we touched on those seniors. Um, they've been around the block. They've 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 seen this stretch before. You hope that that their focus is is what drives us. Um, you know, and, and frankly, if, if you have five seniors that are all contributing, and and you take your eye off the ball, or, or you don't show up one night, you know, you're, you you don't have a chance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to know better by now, and 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 you know, we're going to find that out. I mean, that that's why this is fun. Uh, early supposed to be fun, um, so we'll, we'll we'll see. But I, you know, I got a lot of faith in that group, and and I think, you know, I hopefully we're dialed in. And if we get beat, it's it's just because we got beat. You know, there's some really good teams in this conference, and you can play well and lose. Um, I mean, there, there, there's no doubt about it. So we we just you know we want to make sure we're going out, giving it our best, and and then we'll see where things shake out. Very much a family affair with you. Um, not only are you an alum of St. John's, making you a family member of St. John's, your father played for four tournament teams for the Johnnies. Your brother played for the Johnnies. You made it to the Sweet 16, we should point out. This is really about the Johnnies and, and your family. What's it mean to be coaching this program now for, for several years and the success that you've been able to bring to it? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's pretty neat. I, I, um, St. John's is a special place uh, for me, and and obviously for our family. I, I love my time here. I, I had just had a great experience. Um, so to be back and and sort of being able to to continue to be a part of a, the institution and the program that that meant a lot to me is is a pretty neat deal. Um, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a great job. Um, love the people I get to work with, and you know, especially the guys. You know, you you can kind of see yourself and your pals and 
your experiences and see them playing out through them, and, and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I notice your wife is also a grad of St. Benedict, and of course, the, you now have three children. I'm guessing your children have no choice. They're going. Your daughters are going to the Bens, and and your your boys are going to Johns. As, yeah, as long as they don't uh, take away our tuition remission, you got that right. <laughs> they they have well, they got a choice. Sure, but, but there's a cheap choice and, a, and, and another <laughs> choice. And if they're smart, they'll take the cheap one. I think. Yeah, yeah. Or if they take the hints slash the um, the threats. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that that might work too. Yeah. Go ahead, that take that school. Too. I'm not paying for that school. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Trust me, the way they pay me here, I'm not being able, I'm not paying for any school. Believe me, <laughs> I understand that. I hear that from a lot from coaches. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, is there a goal for this season, or have you already reached that? And now it's about playing for something else. Um. It, <laughs> No, yes and no. I mean, again, this will be the ultimate coach speak. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we've got a, a, a standard we, we think we want to play at, and um, we, try to, we try to match that every day, whether it's practice or in a game. Um, you know, have we reached that? No. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. We've got, we got a lot of season left, and, and the goal is to, to do it every night, not yeah. do it, you know, seven games in the conference. So uh, we're a long ways away from that, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be where we're at, but – you know, shoot, you look at last year's conference, I mean, I, I don't even know where Carlton was seven games in, but yeah. it was a far different spot from where they finished. So there's a lot of hoops left, and, and hopefully we can just continue to, to, to hit that standard we're trying to reach every night. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, talk about the Johnnies. Fascinating to see where they go. Uh, the Mayak race, also fascinating to watch. Also, though, gives us a lot more to talk about in the West region than we normally have. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to, of your day to, to talk. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, just to appreciate the opportunity and, and all you do for uh, small college basketball. It's, it's fun to be a part of it, so thank you. Well, thank you, Coach. Take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the way. I, I look forward to hopefully talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Pat McKenzie joining us here from St. John's. Again, the team is 11 and one overall. Big game coming up against Augsburg. That game on the road Saturday, uh, and then a week later they're home against the Tommies. Yeah, there's that's kind of a big game. Tommies versus Johnnies. You might want to tune in. Thanks again to Coach McKenzie for joining us. The Mayak race, fascinating to say the least. It's going to be a good one down to the end. Uh, I've seen Augsburg now. I certainly liked what I saw in Augsburg. I think they're definitely in the middle to top end of that conference. I think they're going to be competitive. Uh, I've liked St. John's since the beginning. I've been voting for them in the in my ballot since the preseason. Um, where it goes from here, who knows? Um, but I, I love the race. Nothing against the Tommies, but it's nice to see the Mayak change over a little bit and get a little bit different, to say the least. All right, a couple of things of, of business. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that Glenn Robinson was out for Washington College tonight. He was not coaching for the uh, for the short <laughs> – let me phrase that. They were at Washington College. He's the Franklin Marshall head coach, the 22nd-ranked diplomats. Mentioned that he wasn't there. We did reach out to the uh, institution to find out, if, was everything okay? Um and we got word back that Coach Robinson is recovering from a physical injury sustained around the holidays that limits his movement. He is still involved in day-to-day -day operations of the program and will return to the sideline as soon as his injury heals. Now, he was on the sideline against Muhlenberg. At least that's who I thought I saw on the sideline against Muhlenberg um, the other day. Now, Muhlenberg's a shorter trip than Washington. Now, they will be, I believe, at home on Saturday. We will double-check. Uh, when they take on Swarthmore. Franklin Marshall survived against Washington College 82-73 earlier today. 
Um, they will host Swarthmore. Swarthmore got past Hopkins tonight, 79-70. Not an easy game. Wasn't expected to be an easy game. Hopkins is a really well-coached team. You've got a couple young coaches in Muhlenberg and Hopkins now to go along with uh, um, Kosmalski at Swarthmore. Glenn's still there, et cetera. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the Centennial. It's going to be fun to watch. It's, it's a matter of getting recruits in, organizing a team, or not organizing a team, but getting it to gel as a team and becoming competitive on a national level. Who knows where that stands at this point? But that's certainly the most interesting and fun to watch. By the way, Franklin Marshall and Washington College women are playing right now, and Washington leads FNM. Uh, we did mention Muhlenberg earlier tonight. Uh, in women's basketball, the 12th-ranked team lost to Gettysburg 67-62. That's a game that Muhlenberg led by double digits in the third quarter at the very least. That's one of the score updates I had seen. Nothing really else jumping out at me score-wise. Um, I did see that um, Albertus Magnus got past Riviere. Keep an eye on the Falcons. They're not having the season I think they wanted to. They've had some injuries and whatnot that, that I think have affected some things, but they're at least still in control of that conference. Conference that isn't as competitive as it was the last couple of years, but still pretty decent team there. Otherwise, nothing really jumping out at me. Um, so anyway, Glenn Robinson, uh, you missed due to an injury. We hope a speedy recovery for him and hope he'll get back in due time. A reminder, Sunday show, we will not air. We will be uh, at the Palestra for the Centennial Conference um, showcase, uh, five games. If you're in the area, go to the Palestra. I think I saw online 1650 for all five games. 1650, that is 1650. You can also watch them online. I will be calling some of the games with Gordon Mann, Tim Murray, if you know Tim, a former Muhlenberg grad who's doing some great national things with radio uh, and broadcasting. Um, Connor Flegel, who's the Washington College broadcaster, will be involved. And um, Jack McCallum, who is a uh, famous Sports Illustrated writer. And a Muhlenberg grad, he'll be there for the final game, McDaniel versus Muhlenberg as well. So, hey, join us. Should be a good time. Uh, before we let you go, we want to bring you a light moment. I, I will preface this by saying, despite what you hear from the broadcasters, everything's going to be okay. And then we can laugh about it. It is Moravian versus Drew. Now, the game's at Moravian. And which I just noticed the scoreboard's going to confuse you. But it's at Moravian. And... Well, you you should just watch what happens. It's pretty interesting. Coach John Olanowski calling a play. As it's in, Keegan's jumper. She's got it again. Shot clock continuing to run into McClay, who cannot jack up a shot. <laughs> oh, my God. And we have a quick... as a bad thing has happened right now. We will step back, we will step aside as. Okay, let's let's emphasize here, nothing bad actually happened. But if you noticed there for a moment, you saw a dog run across the screen. Um, you did see a dog run across the screen. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't see something strange and wonder what the heck was going on. This is the end of the game. And as the camera pans, you're going to see a dog sprinting across or jogging across. You see an upset coach. That's Drew's head coach. And there there goes the dog. It's a greyhound. And, and you see some people attending to a player in the corner. All right. So here's what happened. 
Moravians the Greyhounds, and they apparently have a couple Greyhound, true Greyhound mascots who are up in the stands, apparently. And one of them apparently got loose from its handler and saw an open area to run as the fin first half was finishing. I think it was first half. It was first quarter was finishing. And sprinted onto the court and ran into a Drew player. Now, the Drew player's okay. The Drew player's not injured. The Drew player banged up maybe, maybe, you know, took a little bit of a, of a hit. Not all the greatest in the world. Um, it's Michaela Keegan who hit a shot, but it was, it was somebody else. It was uh, Aaron Frederick who had gotten knocked over by the dog. According to a Moravian spokesperson, quote-unquote, we have two Greyhound mascots, and at the end of the first quarter, one of them walked away from the handler in the bleachers. When we he saw an open space, i.e. the court, he took off and knocked over one of the Drew players when he ran by. Thankfully, she wasn't hurt, and after a minute or so, she walked over to the Drew bench and then returned to the game. <laughs> by the way, Drew got the last laugh, 81-79. They got the victory in that one, but you just don't see that every day. I have a suspicion. I know Moravian well. I got to give him a call tomorrow and give him a hard time, but uh, I have a feeling those dogs will be on a tighter leash <laughs> come uh, come next game. All right, so that's going to do it. A lot of good games still coming up this week. A reminder, we will not be on the air Sunday. We'll be on the air Monday afternoon with our show uh, this coming week, a little bit different. Um, top 25, we're already going to be making decisions as voters. I've had Augustana 2 for several weeks, despite now a couple losses. Now I'm going to have to move them. Um, it will, but we have to wait to see what the rest of the week's going to present us. It, it could be fascinating. Um, it's, it's, this is fun though, to be honest with you, as I said in my blog, it's still fun. Uh, I got to watch Whitworth Whitman on Tuesday night. It was fun to watch that. That's the other thing about this is it's fun to watch games. So I hope you're all enjoying it as well. And we certainly appreciate everybody um, coming on. By the way, I forgot to mention this during the Jim Scheibel interview. I wanted to make a point of it. And I just I totally blanked on it. And I apologize. But I wanted to point out something we talked about on the Women's um, National Committee. Kind of a frustration that they won't, you know, that they have coaches who are involved with teams who are either at large selections and thus have to step off the call or they're on the in the tournament and thus they're not part of the bracket. I will leave with this, and we will talk about it more. I've re I kind of now understood things a little bit better. I've been a critic of it. I wish they'd stay on at least for bracketing. I understand they got large selections and not being involved. I get that, but for the bracketing point of view, I really wish they would stay on the call. Uh, have them work on the opposite side of the bracket, for say. Two things that are in play here that make it different than the men. For starters, we have more women's coaches who are administrators than we have men's coaches. That's the first start. Second of all, a lot of the good women's coaches are administrators, like, like SWAs, for example, because that's the way the schools do their best to keep their coaches instead of losing them. It certainly makes sense. But as a result, we get committees, at least right now, where we have a lot of women's basketball coaches having to step off the call because their teams are involved or step out of bracketing because their teams are involved. Well, we don't see it on the men's side. Well, that's because the admins on the men's side tend not to be coaches. There are some, but they tend not to be. So we tend to have more people who do not need to step off the calls. Also, there, with more parity in men's basketball, I think we have more coaches who are involved in the committees and aren't necessarily involved as teams, if that makes any sense. Um, there's another aspect to this that we will get into at a later time on why I understand the women 
don't have coaches involved. I've learned a little bit more in the last few weeks about it. We'll dive into that certainly more as we get closer and closer to regional rankings. But just understand, it's the makeup of the committee and the makeup of coaches in women's basketball versus the makeup of coaches in men's basketball that I think has an influence there. I appreciate Jim coming on and giving us some insight uh, as well on that. As, so uh, there you go. A reminder, and some of that insight we'll dive into, will be on the Marathon Show, which will be February 1st, 10 a.m. Eastern start there. Quick check to see if they got any questions on email and such, um, as we very much likely could. Um, yeah, let's see. I, I, I saw a few questions, but I think we may have already kind of dealt with them, so I'm just double-checking. Uh, nope, I guess we're pretty good. So tonight, a little bit of a light night. And reminder, Monday afternoon, we'll be back on the air. Kind of a little teaser of our marathon show. And then we'll get back to our normal schedule of Sundays and Thursdays at 7 o'clock Eastern time. The only other day that will change things is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we usually do an earlier show. I may even move that to Monday this year, too. I, it's just a little easier sometimes to move it to Monday instead of being involved on Sunday. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's also coming off the Super Bowl shows immediately after the marathon show. That might give us one more day to kind of prepare when we don't have a lot of time to prepare for that show. So that's coming up. Um, again, hope you enjoyed the program. If you got questions for us or you have ideas or guest ideas or whatever, email us at, D3, at hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can Facebook us uh, where I simulcast the show at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're also on Instagram at d3hoopsville as well. Thanks to all our guests, of course, uh, to their SIDs uh, as well for their assistance on it, but our guests especially, uh, Matt Croce from from Wittenberg, Jim Scheibel from Rochester, Larry Kearns from Milliken, Danny Young, Orich uh, from Juniata, and Pat McKenzie from St. John's, and of course their sports information staffs as well for their time. Also, thanks to the WBCA and the NABC for their support, and of course D3Hoops.com. This broadcast is copyrighted without the express written consent of me. You can't really reuse it, but we hope you at least enjoy it, whether on demand via podcast or live. Thanks to tuning in. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll see you on Monday afternoon. Enjoy a great weekend of basketball. And if you get a chance, tune in for the games at one of the best places in college basketball, the original Palestra in Philadelphia. Good night, everybody. <laughs>